Authorized is on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash authorized pod if you want to support us. For $3 a month, you can help us buy these books. For $6 a month, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. And for even more money, you can demand that we read and discuss a certain novelization. Pretty cool. If we get enough listeners, we will start putting out bonus episodes, so tell your friends. Authorized.com. It's not authorized.com. What? Patreon.com slash authorized pod. Welcome to Authorized, a podcast where we ebulliently discuss the novelization of any film fortunate enough to have one. Novelizations are rough drafts, mostly unaltered. Filled with typos and grammatical errors, these books contain so many mistakes that it often makes the events of the story unfollowable. When they are typographically cogent, novelizations exercise the thesaurus-brained word salad of me, Andrew Overby, having just been taught adjectives in the fifth grade. Just because I received an A for a story that contained the sentence, she walked down the dusty, dirty, cracked, wet, old, hot, musty, bare, orange sidewalk, which I really did. the end there. Doesn't mean I deserved it. What's that, Hannah? Oh, orange, real twist at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Got orange at the end. (laughs) Very um, seasonally appropriate, but, but... truly odd. Novelizations revel in every aspect of their source material. When this means amplifying the haunting aesthetic of an autumnal killing spree, this wide-eyed wonderment pays dividends. But when it means doubling down on the film's puritanical sexism, the author's gleeful embrace comes across unsettlingly. Overall, novelizations accomplish a few inspired images and turns of phrase amidst a barrage of slop. We are your hosts, a loose coalition of novelization enthusiasts. My name is Andrew Overby. I'm Johnny Pomato. And I'm Hannah Blackman. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers is a 1998 horror film directed by- I think it's by... 1988. That's gotta be I a thought typo so on my too, part. Yes. But then yeah. I was like, well, I trust him. <laughs> and that was my mistake. <laughs> you idiot. Start I'm going to start testing that. I can't believe you would do this like, The Empire Strikes Back is a 2003. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, I'm going to take that whole line again so you can snip snip this whole thing out, you fucking bastard. <laughs> I may or may not. <laughs> and I'll never know because I don't listen to them. Okay. <laughs> and have you ever listened to Authorized even no. once? No. Sorry. Great. I, no. I did once. It's because I would. Here's the deal. If I was still in my office working at an office desk, I would be listening to it to fill the day. But because I'm working from home 24-7, I watch mm-hmm. TV instead. I've cool. listened to podcasts. I, I never listen I've to totally either, lost I, podcasts. I, I never listen to it either, but I edit it, so I essentially right. hear all these like four times. <laughs> I understand completely. I've been there, um, and now I don't have to be. So, okay. 
Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers is a 1988 horror film directed by Dwight H. Little. It follows... Oh, this is a crazy way to frame this. Andrew? Well... (laughs) It follows Dr. Sam Loomis, who has remained unwavering in his abject fear of the murderer, Michael Myers, since their violent altercations one terrible night ten years prior. When Myers escapes during a prisoner transportation, Loomis must stop the embodiment of evil before he can kill his only living kin, his young niece Jamie, who is the real star of the movie. Coop. Completely. Putting women aside. We'll talk about it. Classic (laughs) Andrew. Whoa! <laughs> Will Loomis I thought you were going to say, like, classic men or something. Nope. Classic Andrew making right. movies that are absolutely about women and writing them as me. if they are not about women. You'll never forgive me for, for summarizing Terminator 2 as Terminator 2 is about a nice machine trying his best. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of times when I've been like, no, this the, le- the protagonist of this story is the woman character. And you're like, well... So yeah. look into your own soul. Terminator starts okay. at, I'm, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah. <laughs> will Loomis be able to protect the young girl or will that responsibility fall at the feet of her ado- teenage adopted sister, Rachel? Which kind of implies that Rachel's the one who's adopted, which is not the case. Hard or... Well, 30- I'm writing like Grabowski. That's my excuse. <laughs> you're, you're, you're channeling him. You're, 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 I'm channeling yeah, I'm Grabowski's tortured sentence structure. <laughs> it really is. But maybe the other thing that will happen is like 30 people will show up and just shoot Michael, and that'll be that. The novelization of Halloween 4 was written by Nicholas Grabowski, based on a screenplay by Alan B. McElroy. McElroy. It was published under Grabowski's pseudonym, Nicholas Randers, in 1988, then re-released as the Ultimate Edition, parentheses, authorized, close parentheses, by Diverse Media in 2013. This new edition, which we read because the other one's basically out of print, was published under Grabowski's real name and includes a never-before-released epilogue as well as the totally disconnected short story that I guess he just wanted to stick in so it ended up someplace, The Falling. And it feels very self-published. Like, okay, it was put up by Diverse Media. It was self-published, please. Yeah, I definitely want to get into this, uh, how it's the <laughs> ultimate authorized edition, which first off, when we named the podcast, we I, I at least was under the false impression that a lot of these had the word authorized on their cover. But mostly <laughs> it's just like tied tied in or, or you know, whatever. And uh, this is the first one where it's nice. It just says authorized and cursive on the cover. Feels like they're talking to me. Anyway, this is like a an ultimate edition put together years later. We're being led to believe. But it feels incredibly scattershot and sophomoric and just... It feels unsupervised, I think is how I would put it. I've got a lot of stuff I want to say about this and Grabowski, but as opposed to going to the author right now, I want to introduce our guest, and we can just, we'll we'll work everything in. So, our guest today, returning from the Resident Evil, the final chapter series, the exciting conclusion to our Resident Evil series of episodes, which was only the episode, the final chapter. (laughs) Jesse Hassinger from, of course, the New Flesh podcast, where he is one of the podcasters, sportsalcohol.com, where he both writes and, I almost said directs, and podcasts, and you just told me the other one, an editor, associate editor? Associate editor, editor, like I'm at a law firm. An associate editor at Paste 
Magazine.com? Pa- yes, pastemagazine.com. It used to be a real Paste used to be a print magazine before I was before I was even remotely involved with it. <laughs> I remember hey, you I said forget about hard copies. That's, that's, I'm gonna I'm, I'm inspired <laughs> by this book. I'm gonna have piv- the paste pivot to print on demand reviews <laughs> with bonus material. And there will be no editing whatsoever. We will unedit the things that must have been edited when it was when things were published originally. Just unrelated stories being tagged onto the end of like nonfiction articles because you're like, I felt the vibe, Matt. I, as a writer, I fully identify with the instinct uh, because, like, as if you write like movie crap, like you know, uh, I mean, re- like the hierarchy is like the most the thing I'll, I'll ever have written that was ever be seen the most is like some stupid tweet, and then like the second most will be like some stupid movie review on the AV Club, and then like I've also written fiction. So I can understand the instinct to say, while I have you, let, let's just have you, baby, also read the thing that was really hard for me to write and was like, you know, means something to me personally. So I, that's something I understood. I like, I identified with Grabowski. I was like, if I could tack one of my short stories onto a review <laughs> of like, whatever, Jurassic World or whatever that people actually read, I would definitely do it. So hats off to Mr. Grabowski for doing it. I didn't read his story. <laughs> <laughs> didn't complete the circle of indifference. Uh, <laughs> I okay, did. Good. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Hannah and I, and I think Johnny did, and um, it's uh, enlightening <laughs> in certain ways, I think. Yes, I would agree with yeah. that. We'll get, we'll get to it. Jesse, glad to have you back. Thanks. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me. I had so much fun on the Resident Evil one, which I did listen to part of. I also... Like Hannah, don't listen to the podcasts that I do, uh, except for the ones like Andrew that I edit. In which case, I never want to hear them ever again. So, I, but I, I did happily listen to some of the Resident Evil one, which is about as much. I I don't really like podcasts. <laughs> this one's good though. <laughs> I like this one. You guys are funny. This one's good though. <laughs> it's fun to be on a it podcast. Is. It's so you know? fun. No, uh, uh, you guys do have a good, do a good job of immediately talking about the thing you talk about. I can't listen to most podcasts because there's like the twenty minutes of like throat clearing kind of like you're not even sure what the hell the thing is about like you guys started talking about what the movie is like right away so i can listen to that <laughs> i i get a weird pleasure jesse out of going back to because you know with your your podcast the new flesh i will like watch a horror movie that came out a year uh-huh. ago right and then i'll be like i i should go listen to that episode that they did uh and i like listening to the <laughs> yeah, news segments for like a yeah, year yeah. old uh, <laughs> no, I like it because I it gives me this weird superiority rush where the, where you're like, oh, it seems like there's going to be a new Jordan Peele movie, and I I like weirdly I'm like I actually knew I, that. I'm a, I'm from the future, and I can tell you that this is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just assumed there will always be a new Jordan Peele. Movie. <laughs> and so other Jesse, movies that people say, well, that's kind of a Jordan Peele movie. Huh? <laughs> kind of. Wow, that's really become a thing people are saying, huh? I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I agree. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Jesse, when I uh, approached you and with the proposition of pigeonholing you <laughs> into being a horror guest, because I, I wanted to do a, a an entry from the Halloween series for Halloween, you expressed that this is not one of your favorite Halloween movies. How do you feel about this series at large, and how does Halloween 4 fit into that? 
Thank you for asking. Um, I So I'm not like any kind of... Yeah. The only reason I ever resist being pigeonholed as a horror guy is because I know there are so many other horror guys who like are real horror guys, you know? Uh, and I like love horror movies and I obviously go on this podcast every week and talk about horror shit. But like, I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those guys who like watched Halloween when they were five and watched this whole series on a loop on cable for like their entire childhood. Um I saw the first Halloween probably when I was in my 20s. Probably, I, I probably saw the Rob Zombie one first because that was like what was in movie theaters. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, it's possible I saw the original like right before it or something like that, but I kind of just have the gut feeling that I saw the original, the, the original after I saw the zombie one. Because um, I'm always going to prioritize the stuff I can go out and see in the movie theater. Uh, so I'm not like any kind of hardcore Halloween guy. But so for the new flesh, we were doing a mini series on. The, the series, which I love doing. I love to, like, see every entry in a, in a series, especially if it's one where, like, I've not seen that many of them or if a lot of them are supposed to be bad. So I'm looking forward to the Hellraiser series that I think we're going to do soon because I hear that's not a high yield of good movies. Um, so I had only seen, uh, and I, Johnny said that you had only seen some of the, uh, one or two of these that maybe a couple, a year ago. I've only seen some of these, I think, when we were doing this in 2020. Um, so... I really like the, when I did finally catch up with Halloween, which I've seen actually have seen like three or four times. I really loved it. Obviously, it's great. And Halloween two is fine. Also, it's like you know it's respectable. And Halloween three is really cool. Like I don't know that it does what it's trying to do that well, but it definitely is doing something much different that I would have preferred to see the series doing. Uh, this is the thing I feel like I'm not allowed to say. That it's not. It's like, Halloween 3 is good and fun, but it's a mess, and it's bad, yeah, it's not, but it's good. It's not scary, and I don't think Tom Atkins has it for the leading role. <laughs> I know. That's, that's, <laughs> Johnny looks that's, that's how you can tell I'm not a hardcore horror guy, because I said this on whatever <laughs> podcast, and people were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Tom Atkins is amazing. <laughs> I just don't think he's got that mustache. He's like an amazing physical presence for sure. But uh, (laughs) I don't know about as a leading man. I just, I don't know. I just don't think that movie, like, I don't think he has a lot of charisma in that movie, Uh, but it's a cool movie. It's really fun. It's like such a blast to show people that if they only know like a little bit of Halloween stuff. Um, And then, yeah, the series comes back from that with Halloween four. And I got the impression from talking to more like kind of committed Halloween fans that Halloween four is like kind of regarded at the time, was kind of regarded as like, okay, shoot, we're back to normal. <laughs> They're not going to do a, a weird non-Michael Myersy one. And even now, that was the studio's reaction. Yeah, yeah, they were like, thank fucking god. But I think even some horror fans, because because <laughs> Halloween three is like popular now, but it was not popular in in 1988. Um, mm-hmm. And I think even now, it's well regarded as being like, okay, it's not as cool as Halloween three, and probably not as good as Halloween two, which has input from John Carpenter. But, you know, it's respectable. That's kind of the vibe. But when we were talking about it on our podcast with Brett and I and whoever our guest was, was like, yeah, you know, it's respectable. It's 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 like, it's fine. It, like, gets the job done. So I think going into it with that uh, word about it, I was kind of disappointed. Like, oh, this is, like, pretty, I don't know. It's okay, I guess. Like, I would just say that there's not a lot of material difference in quality between this movie and Halloween 5. And I think the broad consensus is that Halloween 4 is way better than Halloween 5. To me, they're both just kind of, like you know, kind of fucking around and, like, refusing to do anything, or, you know, sort of backing away from their most interesting ideas. Um, it's not, but at the same time, I'll give you, I'm, I don't mean to talk forever, I'll just give, I just want to give you my my theory of Halloween movies. So. I asked you to, to surmise an entire <laughs> series. You're good. Um, 
How dare you talk for more than a minute <laughs> about 13 movies? I know, there's so many of them. Um, it's so daunting. But the my, th- my theory of why people like the Halloween sequels is that it kind of has to do with, I, I think of it in terms of, uh, this is going to show my age here, guys. Alternative rock. Uh, if you uh, <laughs> if you're like my age, old in your forties, you and you like liked rock and roll when you were a teenager, you probably listened to the local alternative rock radio station, even though you might have had taste that was like better than the average alternative rock uh, song or the av- whatever they thought the average alternative rock listener was. Like you might have more erudites or like obscure or whatever, but you listen to the alternative rock station because like the radio's there and like you want you sometimes get to hear a song you really like and you then would get to really dislike uh you know the goo goo dolls or like matchbox 20 or whatever uh (laughs) tonic uh whatever and and halloween sequels similarly as a horror person you probably watch the halloween sequels if you're really into the first halloween or just into slasher movies or into horror movies because that's what's there and there's other ones you must you must like more but like you know, as p- part of it, right, is, like, watching and being familiar with these, like, additional Michael Myers movies. Even if they're not good, you want to, like, know what your boy Michael My- Myers is up to. And now, when you are a 42-year-old man and you're in a Rite Aid and you hear, like, 3 a.m. by Matchbox 20 on the radio, instead of being, like, what the fuck is this shit? What else is on? And changing the channel, right? besides that you can't change the channel <laughs> in your, like you were in your friend's car. But, but you're not, like... Ah, fucking Matchbox 20, those idiots. You're kind of like, ah, <laughs> I remember being young. Uh, and then, like, I feel like I, this is just a general thing, but, like, popular music before the year 2000, all of it I'm kind of okay with. Even the stuff I hated or think is terrible, like, theoretically. Uh, at least if it's in, like, the rock idiom that I understand more about. Uh, because it, I just remember it, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it sort of all just washes into, like, well, yeah, this it's, like, listening to the radio, it's part and parcel of listening to the radio and being up on popular music, that you're going to know a bunch of shitty rock bands. I don't know what the shitty rock bands are now, or, like, besides, like, the 1975 or whatever, so whatever indie rock band I happen to not like. You, I don't know what the consensus, <laughs> like, moron rock bands are. Uh, no offense if you, any of you are super into Matchbox 20, because I don't, I don't think they're morons anymore. I'm just like, sure, they're fine, whatever. And I think a lot of Halloween fans feel the same way about the Halloween, like, 4, 5, 6. They're sort of like, ah, this is shit, but it's ours. And I felt twinges of that. I've only seen Halloween 4, but I felt twinges of that re- reading this um, reading this novelization, because, you know, obviously it follows the book pretty, or the movie pretty closely, and in terms of scene to scene. And I was remembering the scenes pretty clearly, even though I don't like this movie very much and probably saw a DVR'd off AMC cut of it or whatever two years ago, because <laughs> I was wouldn't I refused to pay to rent it. Uh, but like, there was a kind of comforting familiarity just going, ah, yeah, like, this is, I know, I know this part. It's Michael Myers. It's like Michael Myers coming home. It's Jamie. I kind of like that character. And so it kind of washes, even reading the book, which is a poor imitation in many ways of the, of the film, I just kind of felt it wash over me. And I could feel the beginning of that process where you become one of those Halloween fans who just like likes them all. And I don't think I know if I'll ever get there all the way for like six, which is like borderline unwatchable, I feel like. And, and, so, <laughs> and even like Resurrection, I wasn't, I can't imagine watching again. Although Hannah makes a good case for it. But like, I could see as soon as anyone of any of you talked about like, Oh, I kind of like that one for any of the series we were just talking about. I was my kind of instinctive reaction was to say, yeah, me too. Me too. Cause like, I don't know. I just, you get to feel like it gets 
you know, it's not anywhere part of my childhood routine. I didn't watch all these on AMC when I was 15 or whatever, like you're kind of supposed to if you're a horror head. But I could feel that familiarity, that kind of comforting familiarity sinking in. That is all to say that 4 is not the worst Halloween sequel. It's not the best Halloween sequel. I really like the David Gordon Green ones. And I think they're both like way, way better than any of the other sequels. Really any of I even 3, which both. I like. He said both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like Halloween Kills a lot. I think it's great. Um, so, uh, so four, it's just sort of like in the zone of like, yeah, it, it could be five. It could be six. It's probably better. It's definitely better than six. And it might be better than five, but it's all sort of like of a piece to me sort of now, um, which is kind of a nice place to, to be as you get old because you don't are expending energy, hating things. Uh, nothing. It's, it's good. You know, it's like you, you figure out what you like by what you don't like too. But at the same time, I can't be mad at Halloween four, even though I think fans sort of overrated it's pretty much just like a mediocre slasher sequel that gets kind of gets elevated for being the first you know it was like the first michael myers movie in a long time when it came out and it's one of the better crappy ones years later (laughs) um but yeah i have kind of an affection for it now and i don't think that's gonna go away (laughs) i'm curious what you guys what's your guys you know history well i i was gonna say i'm gonna get into hannah's uh distaste for i think most of the series (laughs) and in a moment that's totally fair i have no idea where you stand on, like, any Halloween movie. So what is Halloween for to you? Well, I'd like to tell you, but I don't think anyone's listening anymore because uh, <laughs> Jesse has upset our base, our listening base of uh, Mash to Box 20. Yeah, I thought you were going to uh, say of Halloween Kills, uh, <laughs> Halloween Kills, Kills haters. Even worse. No, no. Um, I, uh, I, I am a huge fan of the first Halloween movie. I mean, I, I do think it is a, a masterpiece of, of the genre. It, it's just still so good. And uh, then, you know, I, I don't think you need any of the sequels, save for Halloween 3, which is essentially its own movie that they just slapped the title onto. Um, but I realized uh, just a year ago I had never seen, like, any of the bad sequels, I guess. And uh, and I agree with Jesse that this is maybe the best of the bad sequels. Like, it's the best bad sequel, maybe. Um I, yeah, and uh, it, it does a lot of things that I don't like, which is it starts uh, the sort of ongoing uh, theme that uh, Michael's evil is, uh, I don't know, supernatural, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't like that. I don't like that Jamie is inheriting this spirit, <laughs> this evil spirit. I don't like any of those, except I do think that the movie works pretty well as pure entertainment like as a slasher it's pretty good i think daniel harris is the actress Mm -hmm. is the Mm -hmm. yeah as jamie is great like as child actresses go she's really good she's effective uh i think she's maybe a little old for the part that that's one thing i liked uh, about reading the book which i can get into later but yeah i i think it is effectively told better than five and six and maybe any of the ones that came after that uh yeah i, I also kind of like kills but i i only like it like because i like it more than halloween 2018 but um yeah i i think it's okay i think it gets the job done i think the kid is good i really like loomis in it i i think it's a uh, the best of the unhinged loomis movies <laughs> and um <laughs> I, I love that it ends with him like trying to shoot a child and he has stopped he, he's he's really ready to it's do amazing it. yeah he was uh, totally gonna do it yeah yeah and, and should have apparently but um 
Yeah, I, I, I think it, uh, of all of the uh, Halloween movies that I filled gaps in that I hadn't seen last year, uh, this was my favorite, and I would say still not very good, and you really don't need any of the sequels, pretty much. Speaking of not very good, uh, Hannah, um, what, what, what if that was the whole segment? <laughs> uh, <laughs> wouldn't put it past you, you're mean to me sometimes. <laughs> Speaking of not very good, Hannah, you and I uh, are essentially the two people who are on every authorized episode. Yeah. This is like one of the worst books we've ever read, right? Like bottom 10? Uh, yeah, I didn't like it, like at all. It's rough. It was really rough and really hard to get through. And eventually I switched because for, there was a period when I thought I had lost the book. I had like totally misplaced it. And I was like, well, I guess I can't read it. <laughs> uh, and Andrew was like, no, no, no. You can listen to the audiobook, which is you know, one of the slash tracks, those guys. Anyway, so I listened to it, which didn't make it easier to get through. It <laughs> should they, be easier. How do they read this book aloud? So that, Jesse, great question. So slash tracks, which endorsement of slash tracks, we love them. We were doing like a spinoff series of Friday the 13th books. So like not novelizations, just spinoff books. And they were really rare books and only available as these like fan-made audiobooks on YouTube. So we ended up listening to them and enjoying them, and we, like, became friends with the guy who makes them. And I was a little ju judgmental of him when listening to the books because they would, like, you know, he'd, like, stumble over phrases and stuff. Now, of course, he's a fan making an audiobook, so, like, I, I didn't, it wasn't too bad. But then I saw one of the physical books scanned online for this series, and I was like, these books are riddled with typos. This man is doing the best he can. I would love to, to like, have a control group where I, I listen to a Slash Tracks that I know is, like, impeccably written. Because <laughs> I think he's an amazing narrator who reads terribly written books. Yeah, he's doing his gosh darn best. Um, but there were sections where eventually I refound my copy of the book where I'd be like, I don't know what happened in that scene. Maybe it'll be easier if I read it with my eyes. And it wasn't on the whole. No, this is a this was a rough piece of writing. Here's the and, and I, I've got a lot of uh, different aspects to the hit piece I'm going to put out on this book. But here's the epitome of the bad writing to me. Start of chapter nine. It was afternoon and it was hot. To Dr. Loomis, it was hotter as hell compared to before, with the exception of the magnitude of temperature in what he had witnessed earlier that morning. I mean, the That's gas station caught on fire. So they, they, they're being like, it's hot out, but it's not as hot as the fire was. But it was so confusingly written, I didn't even think of the gas station fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as you said in your intro, there's like a thesaurus quality of somebody trying oh. to be a fancy pants writer to the detriment of the story he is telling and the cogentness of the text. Like, he just writes like really my current letterbox reviews. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I go on letterboxed having like not done any form of professional writing in like a decade not having been in school in the same amount of time and i go on and i'm like i know about movies and i have thoughts and then i type something up and it ends up sounding like this where it's just like this slop of words that you're like i think he's trying to sound profound this gave me some i wouldn't say it's not about trauma or grief 
or uh, <laughs> or who gets to tell what stories and why. Uh, the three things, the three <laughs> things that all movies are about, uh, universally. But it did give me some like uncomfortable flashbacks because I will let everyone in on a little secret that one thing I do for money is um, edit things, and one thing I do for mon- for editing is uh, editing people's manuscripts like on a one-off basis. I- I'm like on a f- platform where like. If you want to like self-publish something, you can contact a professional editor and say, "Hey, I want this copy edited," or "Hey, I want notes," or "Hey, I want this or that." So I'm familiar with like amateur manuscripts, and it was giving me such. Uh, it was both a weird uh, kind of flashbacks to having to edit like massive and unfixable manuscripts, but also this great <laughs> relief that I could just blaze through this without fixing it. But at the same time, I have like I'm like traumatized <laughs> enough by this job that I wanted to. I wanted the I wanted to put the open this up in Word. It's very easy to picture because it looks like it was designed in Word, um, and <laughs> just go to town on, on track changes. Maybe not even track changes. Maybe not even tell the author what I'm changing and just saying, "Look, don't worry about it. You, this is out of your hands now." Um, because it does. It, I mean, it's very recognizable if you read a lot of amateur manuscripts. It's not like I wouldn't even say, "Oh, uh, Grabowski is like." on another planet of bad writers he's just like a writer who has not been it's it has not been edited with a firm hand and the thing that's weird about it is i just wish i just wish i could see the version that was published because i'm sure it was churned out quickly and i'm sure you know when there's typos and stuff that's usually just like it's done quickly and the proofreader didn't catch it or there wasn't a proofreader or the copy editor was doing both proofreading and copy editing but the sheer volume of verbiage feels like the editor was flipping through it going yep that's enough words and then was happy with it because i like as an ed- it's hard to picture an editor saying looking at this and saying okay good to go uh <laughs> unless it was a thousand times worse which is possible and that this is the fixed version <laughs> but it's just a little bit too kind of his style is too visible what i would guess is his style it seems like his style is too visible for me to say oh this was just like a salvage job I, it really feels like someone's unedited like ramblings and like if this was a first timer i would be like yeah you know what you're like you're head hopping and you're switching point of view in this sometimes mid-sentence and using the wrong words for stuff and using six words where two words would do but like there are some images and like you're you know the stories like goes from a to b more or less and there you find some interesting like little side things to that you don't really get in the movie so it's not like it's completely incompetent it's just very i mean it's pretty incompetent but it's like really within its own like this is like someone confidently writing in their chosen style and it's shocking to me that no one was like don't do that (laughs) when when this was like a commission (laughs) job you know like this wasn't a volunteer thing (laughs) i kind of get the sense that whatever the actual published version was Grabowski was like man they fucked up my book uh, yeah, that's possible. which is why he felt he had to do this yeah. and probably took out all of the notes and changes that the actual editor eventually yeah. made to make it legible yeah. uh, and now we have this and it's kind of the only available version that's every writer's Are people dream six? <laughs> I always get this wrong are people hoisted or foisted on their own petard they're, I believe they're hoisted I agree. Okay. Foisted would be someone else doing that it. Would be- Who knows? <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the I think that the petard upon which he hoists himself, uh, let's cut out that last part where I asked, um, <laughs> is that his sort of 
uh, pretension to come up with these really beautiful turns of phrase. Like his, he really wants to be a guy who vomits rainbows, <laughs> and he pulls it off sometimes. And I think that's what kind of fucks him is that there will be phrases in this book. Like I've got one very early that I bookmarked, being like, maybe the book will be good. <laughs> on, on page ten, uh, it says. Time had been unsuccessful in keeping away the horror. In the midst of innocence and quietude, there is always a share of horror. It is a fact we all must face, but sometimes it goes away. Now, I think he does say horror like twice in a row, which isn't ideal, but it's sort of a nice turn of phrase, and it feels like he's finding his own language. And then you see him try it a hundred more times, and he's like, the darkness when it's scary it's bad but when the light comes before the dawn was when it was worse <laughs> but it would not get better there was always like because like just like this one exactly. there's a, a sentence that then in Haddonfield however the horror keeps coming back so like he has a tendency to completely contradict the previous sentence or paragraph and just like keep going too long he'll yeah. also do a thing where he's like you know, Loomis turned to the left because he had to turn to the left because there was a wall to the right. And you're like, we don't need all that. <laughs> way too much. Um, just padding and padding and padding. It's, I, I was really disappointed in this. I mean, especially because I was trying to think like, oh, it might be fun to read like a scary novelization, like of a horror movie, because I was flashing back to when I was a kid and reading things like, well, at first, like I was a real little kid reading like scary stories to tell in the dark. But then I thought like, yeah, some of those early Stephen King books I read as a kid, like Pet Cemetery, I, I like had to sleep with the lights on. I was so scared. Stuff like that. I thought, oh, wow, like someone is going to have fun with this. And then you like... It, you get to murder scenes that are so stupidly described. Like, I, it is not like <laughs> he stabbed her stabbingly, but like it's close to that. It's it, it's always just like he flicked the knife through the air. It hit air and then skin, and it's like, oh gosh, like this is all you want to do with it, especially because this guy has issues and clearly wants to murder people, as attested from his short story Falling, um, which we'll get to later, maybe. Yeah, I would say my. I mean, besides all the things we've already talked about in a book that's not very good, my biggest issue with it is that it's not scary at all. Like, not like the movie's very scary. The movie's sort yeah. of firmly in fun, scary territory. Mm -hmm. But, like, I wanted it to be a little scary. And there isn't even, like, the stuff in the movie where you're, like, walking or whatever, and then Michael's, like, in the background. You're like, ooh, spooky. Like, he tries to do that stuff, and it's so ineffective to be like, but if they had only looked behind them, <laughs> they would have seen... <laughs> The shape. And you're like, yeah, okay, we get it. Imagine that you can see things that the characters cannot. <laughs> yeah, and whatever you think about the like the actual movie that this is based on, uh, it does have a really good gotcha ending, like a, a pretty genuinely surprising final scene, which I think he covers in half a page here. It's like I couldn't believe that it was over because like there was like 20 pages left in the thing because I didn't realize his short story was tacked on to the end of it. And then suddenly it's like, that's all you're going to do with the child murdering her foster mother and then Loomis always, almost shooting her? It's like a paragraph. It's like, gosh, this guy is not like, you know, I, he's being efficient, I guess, but he's not having any fun with it, with this movie that I assume he loves. <laughs> He might have, you know, he might have just been a, just a just a job, but he likes it. It certainly liked it. Could have been it. a for hire. Yeah, yeah, but it, you know, he does like it. You're right, though. He likes it enough to like put it out again with his, uh, you know. That's the thing that's so confusing. <laughs> yeah. 
there's so many of these that are just that are just for paid jobs and it's like whatever this guy never thought about this this movie again uh but to come back 30 years later and be like they need that epilogue and they need the short story fall <laughs> which by the way the epilogue i mean so johnny you were saying about yeah. the, the 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 stabby ending and how he barely ever or he barely touches it at all the epilogue of this book just so the reader knows says epilogue which i believe is a word with a <laughs> definition meaning things that happen after but then the epilogue is just jamie's perspective all in italics wow what a choice uh where she's basically just being like I saw my uncle die. It made me feel sad, but then evil too. And I think I'm going to kill my foster mother. It's like the same content from her perspective. And he has a note in the book where he's like, I thought that it was better without it. So I released the original one without it. And it's like, it definitely was, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You're telling me you didn't think it was a good, you thought better of the idea of writing the last chapter again and calling it an epilogue. (laughs) It's so weird. Yeah, it's not even again because the last chapter goes further than the epilogue. The epilogue ends with her being like, "Maybe I should get to a little killing." Well, no, she does. She like the epilogue. She like blacks out and then kind of wakes up with right with a knife in her hand and and Lupus pointing a gun at her. So it sort of like explains by which I mean does not explain what happened in the chapter we just read with her what's going on in her head i think i mean it is it's oh, so confusingly right. written that i would understand not real i it took me i think i read over a paragraph or two twice which is it took a lot of effort <laughs> to go back yeah the number of five period ellipses in this <laughs> epilogue <laughs> is just it really is it's like so we've got an uh, we've got an ellipses and it says Dr. Loomis was at the foot of the stairs, facing upwards at her, shouting in terrified desperation as he drew his pistol from beneath his coat. Ellipses, then another one. She could feel her own breath from beneath the cheap masquerade mask which covered her eyes and the cotton ball red clown nose glued upon the tip. And we get more and more of that, and it just leads up to her being like, I think I stabbed my foster mother, or whatever. (laughs) It's clear that he's, like, trying a stylistic, like, dreamscape thing, but it's so amateur. (laughs) (laughs) And a sort of preview for his short story, Falling. I mean, yes, the the epilogue is essentially uh, gives uh, uh, Jamie some agency that she says, I think I'm evil now and I'm going to kill. Uh, Whereas, uh, yeah, I think uh, the the other analysis of it uh the original is that she is sort of possessed by this evil much like mm-hmm. he is possessed by evil in falling um and, and and is conscious of it too it's like oh yep well i'm possessed by evil now and uh uh it's not me it's we in here and uh we're, we're you know we fell off a building like and now we're gonna kill people what's good in the movie is you're like oh well maybe jamie just snapped like she went through this awful terrifying thing she like had this weird connection to Michael for this like one night and now she's a fucked up kid who kills like Michael was and for the book to be like she's literally possessed by his evil it's like the movie's not leaning that hard into that it's not leaning into the druid shit because it didn't exist yet and it doesn't add anything I don't think it helps like her character or the story to be like explicitly she didn't do it Michael still dead. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, um, I <laughs> like the way you said that. Um, I think that's probably kind of explains 
not explains. That's like that's a theory, maybe. That's a fan theory about this book that should have no fans. Uh, that <laughs> why you would go back and think that oh maybe people want to read this is because I feel like with these bad horror sequels, there often grows around them either a cult appreciation of like here's why this one is actually pretty cool. Uh, eagerly, eagerly awaiting, I'll lead the charge for that happening for Halloween Kills. Uh, but like, and or the like, oh, here's how to make, here's how this movie was good and then got screwed up by the, you know, by the suits. Like Halloween Six, there's like a producer's cut, right? I think is it six or five? Which is better in my I'm opinion? Sh- I'm sure. Sh- yeah, I'm sure. Like a lot of these things are better. It's, it's, uh, so I, I would one, I wonder if it was kind of trying to piggyback that kind of stuff, you know? Because there are these horror series. There's always a, a DVD box set that has like the TV cut or the producer cut or the director's cut or whatever. The NC-17 cut, maybe, the unrated cut. And I wonder if there, the thinking was, I don't mean to ascribe any particular thinking to uh, to our man uh, Grabs here, but like, I think that like it's possible you would go to this and, and think, oh, I have one of those. I have an alternate cut of following form. My original novelization is like an alternate version. Wouldn't the fans want to see that? And some of them probably would. Like, I can't necessarily blame him for it, but I'm sure there's, like, people who bought this and, you know, remembered reading the novelization when they were kids and liked it or whatever. But I think that's part of it. I feel like it's like, well, I'm, I'm, here's my take on the Jamie. Because, like, the Jamie thing is very weird in four and four and five. It kind of feels like a squandered opportunity because, uh, as Johnny says, the actress, Danielle Harris, is very good. And I, she's, like, very cool in it. I think, actually, she's in Halloween 2, I believe. I think they put her in that as a, as a teenager or, like, a older yeah. kid. Uh, yeah. the, young adult. the zombie yeah. one, yeah. Um, which is cool. I think she's good in that, too. Like, I like her, and she's like a cool scream queen, and it's like kind of disturbing and cool that the, like, briefly the kind of heroine slash villain in uh, a couple of these sequels was like a little girl who turns into a kind of Michael Myers figure. Um, and I feel like the book is trying to, you know, find the interesting thing about that that wasn't quite done well in the movies. And I think that's the one, was one thing I'll say for this book is that I don't know how intentional or like how <laughs> it's not very skillful, but I do like the way it's the way it kind of head hops constantly, which is like fine. If you're a really good writer, you can jump around to points of view, which is what I mean by head hopping, um, you know, kind of incoherently without like doing the kind of strict alternating chapters or rotating chapters. Like this is then this one will just be like, you'll, you'll hear like the, the points of view of like four different people in like a, in a six page chapter, but doing that, does two things that I kind of like about this, even though I don't think he does this particularly well. One is get into a little more into Jamie's point of view, because I think she's the interesting character in this movie, which is hard to do for a movie about a six-year-old. I have a six-year-old kid, and, like, it's hard hard to make a horror movie about one that's, like, has any kind of real interiority, and it would just not be them going, like, when's Pokemon on? Like, when can I play? You know, like, like, you know, she's, like, thinking some, like, he does kind of a decent, halfway decent job of, like, approximating, like, a six-year-old, potential six-year-old's thought process without making it, like, completely insufferable. And he also gets into the heads of lots of, like, Haddonfield people, which is actually something I really love about Halloween Kills, is, like, how much of, like, Haddonfield folks you get to see. Um, and so, like, those aspects of it are kind of neat. Like, and that's something that, they kinda, I mean, it's based on the movie and, like, it's not really elaborating that much from the movie. But it's different when you're writing it. You're actually taught, you know, to fill out all those pages, you need to have some interiority. 
and I liked a little bit of that. It was, it was kind of charming, like a little bit of hearing Jamie's point of view, or a little bit of getting into Rachel's point of view, a little bit into some of these weirdo town folks, the, the preacher or the, the guy who's saying it's the apocalypse or whatever, who I was convinced was the man in black from a later sequel through, through, while <laughs> I was reading it, and it took me a long time to realize that was not the case. But that stuff, I don't God, know. I totally forgot about the man Yeah, in well, because it makes, it's, it's just a Hail Mary that makes no sense that nobody I, catches. I reject you saying <laughs> yeah. that four and five, now that I'm thinking about the man in black, I reject you saying that four and five are comparable <laughs> in quality. <laughs> Five is a, is fucking awful, and 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 six is like on paper. I like how crazy it is, but it's kind of it's not. Yeah, great. yeah, it's taking big swings. Yeah. Jesse, I would agree. Like, I like the people. It's nice to spend time with people. Yeah. I think Grabowski has like a really fucked up concept of what small town people yes. are like, especially in like Illinois. Yeah. Um, like these are not like. There's hicks in Illinois, but like they're not like shit hicks <laughs> from places. And every time you dip into someone's interiority, they have something sexist or racist or hateful yeah. or awful about them in a way that is uh, fucked yeah. up and crazy. <laughs> and like the the guy who owns the bar, like there's a moment where he's like, you know, I don't believe him, and he just goes on like a like a two sentence like. I want to say it's a racist tirade. I think that's kind of strong Those pop for up a few how times. short it is. But like, and then like even like Rachel when she's in the house with her boyfriend and the girl he's cheating with, like the interior on Rachel is like this fucking slut. <laughs> I hope she dies. <laughs> and I'm like, this doesn't make me like Rachel more. Uh, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, and that stuff like really turned me off, especially like further into the book. And I was like, do we have to be this mean? Yeah. Yeah. To everyone. Yeah. Like, I'm not in the Rob Zombie universe, and I don't want to be there. <laughs> I don't like it there. The more points of view we got of town people and stuff, the the less I liked yes. it. I, I actually thought it started out kind of promisingly. I liked the first chapter of we're seeing, like, the hospital orderlies and the people who are going to transport him. And you kind of, it's not like your game backstory, but you do sort of get the sense that these are people and like oh they existed before this night they're not just there so michael can escape and kill them and i thought that that first chapter was pretty good and it's like i think i'm gonna like this and every new person we met it just like yeah they they were all unsavory in some way that's like the only character trait he knows how to do it's like oh have her, him say something really sexist now about a teenager uh yeah and and they just got yeah unpleasant after a while I'm just going to my uh, my note here that's uh, notions about sluts. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm actually uh, surprised to find that this this thing I've bookmarked is a Brady thought, not a not a Rachel thought. So Brady in a, in this one passage is going. Uh, he's thinking about Rachel and how she's nice, but essentially he wishes that she would put out more. And then he goes, uh, da, da, da. Kelly wasn't like that. In fact, with Kelly, he didn't even have to make the first move. It was like he was a magnet to her, and she just came to him. Some people called her a slut at one time, with the suicidal boldness to even do it in front of her father. And the ordeal went on until it ended with rock salt up a boy's ass from Meeker's gun. So when it came to notions about sluts, well, let's just say it was all hush-hush. Besides, Kelly was a babe, wasn't she? And there were definitely a few horny guys out there who'd die just to see what Brady saw tonight. But Rachel, well, that was a different story. I I think w with the way Brady thinks of Kelly, it's this, like, he's, like, verging on being m 
modern and sex positive. As weird as that is to say, he's going like he's going like everyone calls Kelly a slut because she likes to have sex and she'll have sex with you. But don't we all like to have sex and don't we like that we have sex with women? And he's like just a moment away from being like it I shouldn't judge people for having sex. It's fun for all. But then of course <laughs> turns it back into like and that's why I like her and I hate prudes. <laughs> <laughs> When the book goes into these like bits of interiority, I I agree most of the time they suck, but like it does this one thing early on where it jumps into the head of Norman Dale. Remember that? Yes. Read it to us. <laughs> this yeah, is I've really been looking for a quote and you might have it now. This is really <laughs> basic novelization stuff and jesse i'm so happy you did a novelization with us that we actually liked so that it doesn't seem that we're just like a a takedown no of course we like these yeah yeah it's i wouldn't i feel bad i I was gonna joke oh is is, so when's grouse coming on are we gonna talk to him (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no he uh, is reachable but i did not reach out i I, I wanted to preface like when i'm because i am talking about how bad his writing is like i you know i like all respect to making it work as a writer. He has a career as a writer and like, it's not always easy. And I don't want to like knock something like it's only, only because we're interested in this and want it to be good. That it kind of jumps out when it's not good. (laughs) Well, we're going to at some point talk about the short story in the back. But, uh, but one thing I, I think is illustrative about it is that he remains sexist. Uh, his his writing uh, thirty yeah. years later or however long <clears throat> after he wrote that is uh, d- is really into objectifying women. But I do think that his writing got better. Like even in the three pages we get of the short story, it's like he's attempting those really lofty turns of phrase and actually nailing them. In it. And it's like okay, Big fifteen years later, like word, but they're better. <laughs> yeah. They're better. They're better. It's so. But I wonder if it's this artifact of like 1988 i mean grabowski's older than us but that's still a long ass time ago for him like this is probably a formative moment in his career that he looks back on fondly because it's like an opportunity that he hadn't had before and it probably brought him more opportunities that were different so i i don't know if 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 him re-releasing it is necessarily an endorsement of like this is my best work it probably is just like meaningful to him now to go back to uh, doing a character assassination um (laughs) jesse when we do these novelizations one of the things that you see in almost every single one and i'm sure there were examples in resident evil that i can't remember because we've read 30 books since then (laughs) is a character who will like just die randomly i guess the thin man remember the thin man yeah yeah of course you'll you'll get a ton of backstory on that person Right before they die. Yeah. That's like the, the, the novelizationist's main... That's like his wrench. You just like... Every one of these books is like, oh, the Terminator killed some guy? Okay, well, you get to learn about his home troubles for a page. Um, the fact that the moment Grabowski tries one of those things is to me like one of the strongest things in the book kind of is damning. It's like he whatever he's engaging in is so misguided. I almost wish he would stick with like the novelizationist's playbook. Because on page 49, we have the scene where uh, Michael Myers comes to the gas station 
and kills the guy who's working under the car. And we get background on this guy. And the chapter starts, Norman Dale had popped a couple of ruby red pill capsules no later than five minutes into his lunch break. And here he was, thinking, I'll be goddamn if this shit's kicking in, and already it's time to get back to rebuilding that busted tranny. Transmission. Rebuilding transmissions was never in Norm's adult life a problem. Jeez, the fucking syntax. Right now, (laughs) the problem was finding his way to it. Until after he'd found himself marrying into a family which transplanted him from Chicago to this shithole roadside service station in the middle of nowhere, he hadn't been as nearly impressed with any sort of recreational drug. He was halfway into the 40-somethings, and he was afraid things were going to be just as predictable for him throughout the next half of his life as they'd been today and yesterday and the day before that. Now, I do think this passage benefits from a modern attitude about drugs. Like, when I have a, when I hear about a character at his job who's, like, popping pills because he's like, I don't know, I gotta get, I gotta get a little something out of today. I'm inclined in 2022 to be like, you go for it, buddy. (laughs) And I do think Grabowski was probably doing what you guys are talking about, which is being like, look at these fucking drug addict hicks (laughs) or or whatever. But but this this passage goes on to talk about how his boss is the one who gave him the drugs and there's like a sort of irony to how he's now trying to make sure he performs well enough to not piss off that boss who like created this situation. It's kind of rich. And the book never does anything like that ever again. Yeah, it's misplaced. Like, that's a nice effort um, that could have been used on, like, one of the cops we spend most of the book with mm-hmm. instead of a guy who in the movie we see and who is immediately killed, <laughs> like, in seconds. Like, there's just yeah. no point spending that much time with that guy. Um And it's just like, I mean, reading that passage, I was like, okay, well, this is like a choice. This is a thing. Let's get to the murder, though. Like, I know that this is going a place that is a murder, and I kind of want to get to it. Um, However decently written compared to large portions of the book it was, I was like, okay, no, no, no. Wrong placement. (laughs) Wrong time. Wrong character. Wrong choice. I mean, there's kind of a... A fun sequence where he's like, am I seeing a guy or is that a guy? Which is fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like kind of a fun concept. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I was busy finding the part where Rachel's like, Kelly's a bitch. She's a slut. She's a bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> uh, which I did. I did find it. It's pretty rough. Oh, well, take us there, Hannah. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to like jump back into the sexism of this, but. You're destroying the established structure. I know. I just like, if there's. It really takes me out. Like, uh, this is like a 2022 thing, I guess. But both the sex positivity of the world and that, like, I think women should be nice to each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, this bad situation where, you know, Kelly slept with Rachel's boyfriend. Like, that's not... It's really Brady's problem. Like, he's the bad one. Like, maybe Kelly knew that they were dating or whatever. But, like, God knows what he told her to be like, let's fuck or whatever. You know, so... um. He's not married or anything, Kelly defended. I've got a right to do what's best for me. This was one goddamn bitch, (laughs) Rachel thought to herself. (laughs) She was a slut. There were no two ways about it. And the hell with the fact that she happened to be the sheriff's daughter. Kelly appeared annoyed. Not only was she a bitchy slut, but she was even a bitchy conceited slut at that, Rachel thought. It's like... You couldn't even be like, we're in a moment where we're all about to be fucking murdered by a psychopath. You still have to, like, tear down another girl. My my recollection, I think there is that tension in the the movie, 
that I because I remember that scene in the movie. Obviously, you don't hear the, give the thought bubble of like, what a bitchy <laughs> slut who sinks and sucks and is stupid. Like, I think it's fine to be like, I'm hurting yeah. my boyfriend. I thought was ready to make a commitment to me, and instead he cheated on me immediately. I'm hurt. This girl is not helping the situation. I don't think you have to interpret that as, and also, I hope she fucking dies, that ugly Yeah, well, that's, a, I, you know, like, that's like a step too yeah, far. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the movie, not ascribing any, you know, purity to the movie, because uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's just down to the movie not having that much time or that much interest. But my recollection, and I also could be recalling this incorrectly, is that it's like a frostiness, and there probably, maybe there isn't, is even the tossing the coffee. I think she does throw the coffee at her. But it's not so steeped. Like, to take that scene, and it's probably too much to ask that you take... Why does it matter if the coffee's steeped? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> it's not... <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, like, to take this scene... We gotta have Jesse on more often. He laughs at my stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He does it so we don't have to. <laughs> um, yeah, like, you... Like, that's scene that that scene doesn't have to be as ugly as he makes it i think is what hannah's getting at and like it's not nice in the in the book or in the movie but i did read it even like and weirdly hesitated i don't know why i thought this but when i was reading in the book i was like oh are they gonna have like a moment that's a little more than what the movie gives us which is sort of some frostiness and some like genuine conflict that's sort of a distraction but like kind of gets at like oh this is how tense it would be having to be locked in, in a in a house with a bunch of randos and some of them are people you don't like and no, the the book immediately goes the opposite way, where it's like nastier and like more. It just everyone makes everyone seem dumber and pettier and meaner and more like a like a male projection of like how women might think about each other. And I'm sure there are teenage girls who have had these thoughts about each other, but it's not done in a funny way or like a rueful way like- or anything like that. Rachel is supposed to be our hero girl, right? She's nice. She loves her foster sister. She's always trying to protect her. She's, like, very maternal and caring Mm -hmm. and, like, helpful. And so for the book to give her interiority that makes her just seem cruel and petty doesn't help me want her to make it through the story. (laughs) And, like, it's hard in a slasher movie, the balance of, like, What's a char- who's who can be so bitchy that you want that woman to get murdered versus like here's our nice girl and here's all the varying levels of like bad teenagers who exist to be killed. I get that that's hard to do, but I want my final girl to be nice. <laughs> and I don't think Kelly is so bad that she sh- deserves to be slaughtered. Like she's going to be because Halloween just loves to kill people. It's one of the things I don't love about the franchise at large is that it has, like, no morality behind it, which is fine. It's just not for me. Um, And this is what I, just to go on a little tangent, what I don't really like about Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills is that they introduce characters who I like a lot, who I think are really nice, and I want them to live or be in more than one scene, and then they immediately get killed for the sake of being killed. And I'm like, oh, I liked that Yeah, yeah. Like I like those two guys who buy the Myers house. I oh, wanted yeah. I really thought to those not guys get fucking slaughtered. Yeah, well, I, I, I compl- and that's a problem I have with most of the Halloween movies is they introduce people just to be yeah. killed. Right. That's away. so. Yeah, that's exactly what I like about them because that's where I can see David Gordon Green in those in those movies. It's like mm-hmm. when you're like hanging out with like there's like that black couple who's like kind of middle-aged black couple. One, the, the dude has a drone, and they seem they're so and they're like drinking and having a good time on Halloween, and like. 
they're so affectionate with each other and seem to genuinely like each other. I don't want them to get murdered. No, 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 that's like, and it's, it is like, it it makes it both like, you know, but it's true that it doesn't really make it scary or it does make, it does give the movie kind of attention. I find that like, oh, like this is, these people who are being, you know, lined up for slaughter are not like depicted as callow you know, rubes the way that Grabowski kind of <laughs> depicts them all as like <laughs> drug addicted, venomous, like uh, incompetent assholes. Like you, the green really gives you a bunch of like nice, like kind of eclectic people. They, it's like kind of shot with his trademark, like eye for kind of humanistic quirkiness. And then also they get, I wish any of them were allowed to survive. Yeah, and it, it, like the tension of here's a new character. Are they going to be killed immediately? Will they be killed later? Or will they make it would be fun. But eventually I hit a point when I was like, well, this person yeah, will die right yeah, now. It's okay. This person also was introduced to be killed. Got yeah, it, it is it, 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 like, and it weirdly, I think one of the reasons people react so negatively to that. I mean, you're describing it exactly. I think the, <laughs> the, the like, it makes sense because in four five and six, they're like not as empathetic movies but like, also, who cares if the characters get? Ki- I mean, you know, there are characters you might want. You want don't want the little girl to get killed, and like in the moment, I don't usually root for someone to get killed in a slasher movie, even though even if you're sort of want the movie to continue with quote unquote cool kills. Um, but Green really pushes it in a way where when people get killed, it's hard to cheer for it because it's like genuinely kind of like genuinely kind of miserable, and like I could see having that reaction I mean I had that reaction like with the end of Halloween Kills where fucking Judy Greer gets killed like that's that's a real that's a real down note to end on uh, but, yeah, but I at least for me yeah. like a slasher yeah. I'm sorry no no I was just I at least kind of respect the like you know mm-hmm. if you're gonna make a movie about a bunch of people getting killed at least kind of respect the idea that that actually it sucks when that happens I totally hear that and feel the opposite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like especially with slasher movies. Like, I kind of want the simplistic 80s version of a slasher movie where you're like, those people suck and these people are good and those people will get killed and it'll be fun when they get killed because I don't yeah. like them very much. <laughs> and when, the when like, one person I do like gets killed, it's like, oh, yeah. no, not the person I liked. And it's like the emotional roller coaster that's a good time as opposed to watching Halloween Kills and being like, oh, yeah, man, not them, too. I, I feel that way about endings of horror movies, especially slasher movies. They're like, I'm never into the slasher movie that ends with the slasher killing everybody. I'm always kind of like, okay, so what the fuck? Like, I, you know, I want there to be one person or one or two, you know, hopefully even one or two people who, like, get out and kick ass and, like, you know, get back on their feet. I like it when it's like a final girl who's cool and her boyfriend who's kind of lame and she has to protect him. And then they kiss. That's my favorite ending to a slasher movie. That's that's very, I'm with you on that. The downbeat ending of a slasher movie (laughs) is like, I just feel like 95% of them can't bear an ending that that, Mm -hmm. that bleak. So like, I don't want to see them try. (laughs) Yeah, leave someone alive to tell the tale. Yeah, exactly. And don't kill them off in the first scene of the next movie. Yeah, too, yeah, that's that. Movie. Oh, yeah, that's the yeah. fucking worst. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that had to be some contractual thing, right? The the Sometimes, resurrection. Yeah. Well, yeah. Death. Oh, oh, oh yeah. the resurrection. Yes, I, I was thinking like you know Friday the Thirteenth does this a lot, where it's like whoever survived the last one gets it in the beginning of the next one. Oh, right? that, well, this is a perfect. This is a perfect seg back in, which is th- my girlfriend. Ellie Cornell, who I love with all my heart. Is she Aww. is she old enough in this movie that I can say that? <laughs> Born 1963. She was 25. We're good. <laughs> so um, And now she's she, 
Now she's mad old. Now it'd be like transgressive, and I would be into yeah. it. So you know, if you're listening, um, I'm I'm taken. But uh, you know, by the time this episode comes out, who knows? So, um, it, uh, what do we think of that character, of the Rachel character, who uh, is? I think I'm putting my own opinion into the "what do we think" question. But I think that he is, she's kind of unfairly maligned because people just think of her as like a Lori replacement. I have. I think she's. Yeah, funny. I have a soft spot uh, for the older sister trying her best. Uh, it's. I don't know. I can't know that. I don't know that I can name a ton of these, but I think of Child's Play Two, where like the kind of cool rock and roll older sister is like she's trying to help out Andy. Man, like you know, it's the same thing where it's like a kid kind of being adopted into her shitty family. And she's, like, trying to make it work and trying to be a good sister. That I always find really touching. The, like, older sister who's, like, trying to be a good sibling to a person who's, like, relatively new to her life. Maybe that just is, like, that might even be, like, baked in sexism of, like, liking to see the lady character do, like, you know, <laughs> like, being turned into a mom way too early or something. But I, I just, I don't know, maybe because I never had an older sister, I, like, just find that kind of endearing. Like, and I, that, that's what, like, breaks my heart both reading the book and watching the movie of this is, like, Rachel, like, genuinely wants Jamie to be happy. She's not, like, mm-hmm. as much as she's kind of bratty about the date that she has to break, like, she's so excited that Jamie is excited about trick-or-treating. And that's so hard for, I mean, I think just, like, kids with that age wanting something really bad or, like, being really, you know, really excited about something, it's just, like, breaks my heart for some reason. And so to add in an older sister who's, like, trying to make it happen for this kid and is like, I'm going to take you out for ice cream and get double scoops and, like, we're going to get you a Halloween costume and, like, and she's like, can we stay out all night? Like, ah, oh, it's, it's so cute. I don't know. So I I do really like the Rachel character just by virtue of, like, I oh, I don't even remember particularly the performance. Uh, I just really always, as with Charles Play too, I just like the, the older sister who's, like, trying to be a good older sister to someone, especially because the age difference is so big. You know, it's not like the younger sister who's, like, a couple years behind. This is someone who's like a you know this is like a decade plus gap and Mm -hmm. i find that kind of sweet like that kind of relationship yeah i really like her in the movie and i part of that might be uh the actress's performance ellie cornell um it i remember just being really nice to the point that like yeah she cares about uh jamie and you know might even uh still uh stand by here after she murders her mother at the end of it like you know she she understands that there are bigger things at play here yeah. as opposed to you know just turning on her and it's like yeah loomis shoot her the uh the reason i thought of her is because the ultimate sin of the fifth movie is that uh we were talking about people getting unceremoniously killed in the first scene she doesn't get killed in the first scene but she basically disappears like six minutes into five and then is found dead at the end of five, yeah, as if yeah. to suggest that she really did die, like immediately. I forgot about that. It's who's the it's, main girl in five? Then there isn't one. Five is a disaster. All yeah, you people defending five, it's that, a fucking well, there's mess. That, there's a teenage girl who's there's like a teenage in a Halloween girl that hangs costume around with, and she runs yeah. around a lot, and she's cool. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is the final girl because she's really cool. And then she gets killed, and I was really put out. Mm-hmm. Is my remembrance of five? It's a, it's the movie's very diffuse. That one, it like they didn't go with any particular idea about what Halloween five would be. So it's like a. I mean, I can kind of get on board with the idea uh-huh. of a horror movie that like hands off the final girl. Yes. 
Like people leave the story, people get killed, and you follow like a daisy chain of characters. Yeah. I could get into that. I'm not saying Five is doing that or doing it well, but like I, I can, th- I like the big swing of like, what if we don't have a main character? Yeah. It would have been amazing <laughs> if the second film in this DGG trilogy was like the Jim Cummings movie. Like mm. I loved mm-hmm. that scene in the past. Yeah. I would have loved to see Michael keep going. Mm-hmm. Same. Favorite part of the movie? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's the flashback stuff. It's also interesting. Well, we can't have everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, I've heard just very, very rumor-wise, like this might be, this will be out by the time this episode's out, that, that people are going to be furious about Halloween Kills, which I, or Halloween Ends, which, ends. which, yeah, which yeah. I don't have trouble believing because I think people are going to be furious. I think even if the movie was just like a normal Halloween sequel, it was somehow people would be furious <laughs> about it. Um, but it's interesting also, I think something that really rankles people, not to keep going back to the David Gordon Green ones, but like what rankles people about those movies also is I think a lot of hardcore Halloween fans is that they go to the trouble of erasing continuity past the 78 Halloween. Um, and then people kind of complain, they're like, well, they do that, but then they have all these nods to the sequels and all these like things that are basically similar to what the sequel's doing. Like, There's definitely stuff in Kills that's like similar to Halloween 2. Uh, mm-hmm. And even like reading 4 and, and jogging my memory of the film, I was like, oh, yeah, some of this is kind of similar to some of the stuff that uh, they do in Kills. Uh I want Halloween Ends to go full druid supernatural <laughs> nonsense. Like, that would bring me so much pleasure. Yeah, I, I don't think Halloween Ends starts and they're like, and it's like Buster Rhymes being like, we think we can reboot the show. It's been enough time. It's like, it's like, so my, you know, currently, I, I keep talking about reality TV on the, sh- on the podcast, but currently there's two bachelorettes and also my uncle was the bachelor once on a season with two bachelors and i i that would just be the 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 best sequel if they were like we're doing the we're doing the house again people loved that a killer came through so it's two houses one is a real michael myers and the other one's a fake and no one knows oh wow that's fantastic I mean, it's probably illegal. <laughs> we can't get into Just this right in now. The future, I'm, I'm... Uh, when those all when crime is legal. Um, well, I think that like the, and I think it's uh, like you, you joke, but I think it's fine when these movies sort of roll in I, some like ideas or resemblances to the sequels because like four, five, and six were like not a well executed bunch of movies. So no. like, why wouldn't you pick and choose bits of them and pay homage to them a little bit, but do something that's, you know, kind of different because that's, what's really my memory of, of, of four and five, especially six is pretty much starts off the rails and then they like make new rails to go off of, but like four and five <laughs> have a lot of stuff in them where you're like, okay, four has kind of this back to basics kind of feel like, okay, we're going back to kind of the fundamentals of Michael Myers on Halloween you know, coming after a kid and like, and then the teenage girl who's supposed to watch over her. Um, and five has like some of the cool, like, oh, okay, is, the, is there going to be a new Michael Myers? No, not really. But like, it, it kind of, you know, you kind of feel like it might go in that direction. Uh, so I get wanting to kind of salvage those for parts because that's really what they are. Is like, yeah, a bunch of slasher movie component parts that don't really come together. Yeah, the Gordon Green films, I think, made way too strong a point at the beginning to say, look, we're throwing out all the continuity past the first film. It's just a sequel to the first movie. But then it really did seem to borrow all of these elements from the later films. And 
by making Laurie not Michael's sister, which I thought was a dumb idea originally in Halloween 2, uh, it doesn't really justify why is he obsessed with this one babysitter that he didn't happen to kill? This guy is, you know, know, she's waiting for him to come back, but why would he ever come back? Aren't there new people to kill? He doesn't seem, like, you know, deterred by uh, the notion of... I do think they do a good job in Kills of kind of implying that he's not that obsessed with her. She's super obsessed with him. <laughs> no, no, no. That's true. That, that that's a fair point. I, I think. But yeah, that, in that yeah, first yeah. one, they really make it seem like it's this kind yeah, of. Yeah, she's the one who's obsessed. Yeah. But yeah, but, I, yes. but in the first one, he is like he does arrive yeah. at her cabin in the middle of nowhere. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. May we talk I, about Michael Myers? Oh yes, yes. Um, Michael Myers is like my least favorite of the major slasher guys because he's nothing. Right? He's a blank nightmare, and that's on purpose, and that's the whole thing. I found in the book, like, it's impossible to keep track of him because he is so nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, and this is an issue I have with all of the movies is he's just a nasty guy who does kills. And you're like, why? Why does he want to kill Lori? Why does he want to kill his whole family? Why does he want to kill? Like, and the answer is he's evil. He's undeterminable evil. Evil. Um which is fine when he's like a druid evil guy. (laughs) But the issue with the Gordon Green ones for me is like, yeah, but why though? Like, why would anybody, if you're 65, (laughs) want to be doing brutal murders like this? Like, it's one thing to do it when you're a child and you're fucked up, you killed one person, okay. Then you're 20 and you think, this is what I want to be doing with my life. But when you're like 70. (laughs) Don't you want to just watch some TV? Watch some me TV? Right, like, like the... The idea that he's just, like, a bad human being, like, doesn't work for me. He's literally, like, an amorphous evil shape. That only works. And to, like, ground it in a place where he's, like, a real person who loves to do murders and also can't be killed. You're like, (laughs) you gotta make up your mind. A a buddy of mine on Twitter described him as, like, he's like, no, he's a, and he just loves Halloween movies. And he is, like, he's a prankster. He, like, pulls pranks <laughs> and, like, is a... He does stage scenes. Yeah, yeah, he's, like, a fun-loving guy, and, like, he does he does gags, and, and like, he's a, he's a jokester. I would love more if he was, like, my goal is to create a perfect diorama, yeah. and to do that, I need 17 <laughs> human corpses. Yeah, yeah. So it has to happen. Like, if there was a goal, um, I have a hard time with him just going, like, why? Yeah. Like, and when the movies are, like, oh, well, he wants to go home. And when there's other people in his house or someone trying to stop him from going to his home, that's when he kills people. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm on board. Um, and when they're like, Meh, he just loves to kill. I, I, you know, doesn't work as well. Yeah, I want more of the fun-loving guy who puts on the goshi and then glasses on top yeah. of that. Like, I like yeah. that guy. What a cool guy. Yeah. 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 And I get that we can never like spend time with his human face. Mm-hmm. But I would really like to. Yeah. I think I would find it, even if like once a movie you took off his mask and you're like, that's a human man under there and he does not give a fuck. Like he is not upset. He is not in pain, whatever. That would like pin it into the ground for me in a way that like works better than like the mask. Um, which is not true for every killer. Like if I don't want to see Jason's face. <laughs> I want to see the mask. Yeah. It's totally different with him. Meanwhile, yeah, don't we usually see a Jason face at least once in all those movies? And yeah, it's, and it's never always the, yucky. Yeah, it's always bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in Halloween 1, when there's like the second of his human face and he's like a cute boy, that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> I like the, you know, the horror beneath the suburban docile, whatever. That's the whole point of Halloween. Yeah. 
and for him to be a cute boy is like fun. And I feel like there's a missed opportunity for Michael to just be like, oh, I'm going to take off the mask and disappear into the crowd. Because mm-hmm. nobody fucking knows what I look like. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I want to keep doing murders. I do hate it when he shows up in movies without his mask on because he's like incarcerated or whatever. And they're just like, we refuse to show it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, he has it off. Yeah, yeah. People are they looking at it. They all know what he looks like. Why don't we get to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I uh I will say speaking of watching these movies late in life I watched the original Halloween so late in life that I was able to just watch 2018 right after it to see how it actually stood up as a direct sequel and I don't agree with the perspective that it doesn't make sense that he's after Lori uh and my reasoning is just when it's the second movie <laughs> the the concept of what is the sequel to Halloween is like you know, what's like the true sequel? Obviously, there's a lot of discourse. But when you think of 2018 as the actual second movie, we don't know what this guy does. We don't know what his deal is. We don't really know why he became fix on, fixated on her in the first place. And so it makes total sense to be like, it turns out he's a guy who would never let this go because we don't have any other information to go on. Um, on that subject of like what, What is a sequel to Halloween? You know, your obvious choices are like two H2O Halloween 2018. I really enjoyed Halloween 4 more this time, considering that like the first two movies in this universe were a single night. And in a lot of ways, this is Halloween 2. Yeah. This is like the night that it happened again for Loomis. Yeah. This is not the night it happened the fourth time for him. It's like, oh shit, like this is the return. He's having his Laurie Strode in 2018 moment yeah. where he's like, I've been waiting for this. Holy shit. And I'd forgotten because like he then does it for four more movies that uh I don't know, it it hits pretty well in this one. When he corners uh Michael in the gas station, I found that legitimately creepy with the gauze all over his face. I was like, oh yeah, this is like a specter from the worst night of Loomis's entire life come back. Uh, and I, I don't know. It, it, it worked for me thinking of it as like, this is Halloween too. I mean, given that uh, the direction of the sequels are either like we're following Laurie or we're following Loomis is sort of like the break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the Loomis path. <laughs> and it's a, it's a really good start for him where he's like, I've been waiting. I knew that he was not done because I know I spent enough time with him in his first captivity to know that he is evil incarnate. And now he's just like running around town being like, you have to listen to me. And everyone's like, You're, you sound insane, man, which he does. It's a great performance. Um, not fully captured in the novelization. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't. How could you possibly capture what Donald Pleasance is doing? He's the best. He's so good. And then he's very nice and soft with the kids. Like, that's the trick to Loomis is like, yeah, he's a cuckoo bird. But he then is like, are you okay? What are you doing out here? We have to make you safe. Like, you're an innocent bystander. (laughs) The book even kind of... Is he willing to shoot a child (laughs) when he thinks it's Michael? Yes, but... That's that's just part of his creed. Uh... The, the book even I don't remember if they if this was if this was alluded to in the movie because it was vaguely familiar to me so I wonder if it wasn't wholly invented by the book but obviously it didn't appear in the same way in the film for um, actress related reasons in the book Jamie Lee uh, Laurie Strode appears to her daughter as a ghostly figure or like a hallucination or something 
And the the book even kind of fucks us up too, because I don't think Loomis does this in the in the movie. Like, Loomis is, I agree, he's like generally very you know sweet and and trying to be you know trying to help these children. In the book, she's like, I saw my mom, and he's like, Well, no, you didn't. Uh, yeah, the, the, you're like seeing things because you're you're you know, this, you're seeing what you want. You're seeing what you're. Come on, it's not that that couldn't happen. Like in the middle, I like, believe while in they're the being physical cl- embodiment of the boogeyman, but not ghost. Yeah, yeah. When he's being, it's like okay, if he was in a therapy session with her, sure, fine. But like they're being chased by Michael Myers, and he's like, well, pause, time out. I got to tell you, you're wrong about seeing your mom, six year old. Like I got to correct you on this. I got to correct the record. I <laughs> uh, like in the book they make him seem like so he just comes across as more of a dick. And I couldn't remember. I don't know if you guys have watched. Probably watched the movie more recent than I have. Is is there any? Did she did she say something about seeing her mom in the movie? I kind of feel like she does, but I could be wrong about that. No, okay, it's not there. Okay, yeah, I was trying to remember if uh, she is having these like little you know seepings of evil coming through. Oh, it's almost here. Or if I, I just remember she keeps having nightmares. Yes, like he's yes. under her bed and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk more about Grabowski. So oh, I didn't boy. do a little author intro at the beginning, but. Here it is. It's very short. Uh, I basically just pulled it off his Wikipedia page, and every single thing is citation needed. So (laughs) it says, uh, after working as an extra in Hollywood for such films as Masters of the Universe and Night of the Creeps and pursuing a modeling career, Grabowski became became the acting coach to Walter Koenig, who introduced... Grabowski to a New York publisher of mass market paperback novels. Sorry, a modeling career? <laughs> yeah, I, I just did the same thing as you, Hannah. I was like, wait a second, there's a picture of him in here, and I don't think that... Maybe he pursued it. If this thing said he studied under Walter Koenig, I'd be like, cool. He was Walter Koenig's acting coach, and Walter Koenig got him into writing paperbacks. I mean, maybe true, but I have to agree, citation needed. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask my, my, I have a friend who's rela- distantly related to Walter Koenig, so, uh, Ooh, oh, oh, wait, no. Friends with Jimmy Pardo? No, wait, wrong. Wait, is, is Walter Koenig, uh, uh, the Russian one? He plays, yeah. no, I'm sorry, Check my out. friends, my friends, okay. uh, my friend's related to Scotty. <laughs> Never mind. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't even, I couldn't even begin to track down the Koenig family. Well, if that ever comes up. <laughs> yeah. We'll let you know. A dubious claim about him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the 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 Grabowski. I just wanted to read that because that's a ridiculous paragraph, and like they also don't explain how that one leap went to the other. Suddenly, he was writing paperbacks because of his acting student. <laughs> um, let's talk about the short story in the back of the book. Not to say that we're like closing up shop on discussion of Halloween, but I I think it really is informative about the author. So Jesse, the story in the back of the book. I don't know, Johnny, why don't you why don't you take this? How would you s- summarize the the story falling? <laughs> okay, well, it starts off with like a uh just a little italicized thing saying like uh I I had to go back and read it twice because I got a page into the story. It's like, wait, what did that just say? Because I thought this really happened to me (laughs) at a horror convention in uh, 2003. Uh, But yeah, it's about a guy who... um, well, wait. How does he fall off the building? He's 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 like at a hotel at a horror convention, and he essentially uh-huh. falls off a building, lands, survives. Except 
an evil force has now possessed him that he is fully aware of because this is a first person narration and he's like oh well i guess there's evil inside of me now and uh i'm getting up and everyone's looking at me and they they think that i uh you know i'm, I'm bleeding i look like i'm dead because i essentially am a, a walking corpse but uh he goes on like a little mini killing spree before dying again how does he fall off a balcony he stands up to offer his chair to a woman who doesn't appreciate the gesture yes she, she that's the thing yeah there's a woman and she sort of she doesn't push him right but she flails and it surprises him and he flips over i, I don't know i read this this afternoon i should remember it's... no you shouldn't yeah no you shouldn't get rid of it <laughs> It's like a six-page story, and I almost immediately was like, "Oh, bro, yeah. <laughs> should have been four. Mm. Yeah, I, I, the, there's I a couple. <laughs> there's a couple brutal things about it. So the, the 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 fact that he thought of it at a horror convention, and it's a first-person narrative about a guy at a horror convention. It who really... is a celebrated author. Yeah, it's about him. Beloved. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really makes like every opinion that this character has feel indefensible because it's so obviously him and so he goes to this cool party that he's like invited to after the horror convention and he's sitting on a balcony and as as hannah says he offers his seat to a beautiful woman but this is this is the paragraph describing the woman it says the sliding door slid open again a young 20-something flaunted herself into the crisp night air as though she were Mother Earth and the rest of us dwelt upon the moon and revolved around her. And she was greeted by the hookah smokers with all the fanfare of a celebrity making a grand entrance. If I had been born a blonde-haired little sweet thing and flaunted myself at her ripe young age in tight and frilly witch's lingerie, I wouldn't have had to sell books to be in such a status quo. <sighs> you know, reading Halloween 4, I was like, you know, some of this is probably dictated by the time period and the content, you know, slasher movies are sexist and kind of shitty and that's how it is. And then I read the story and I was like, oh, no, no, is this guy. It's him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, him. Yeah. it's him. Some of it lives in the movie. He's just a great match for the <laughs> ugliness of the movie. Because the movie is like uh, women who don't have sex be cool. Women who have sex should die. <laughs> like that is like, that's in Halloween 4. And all the stuff we were talking about with like Rachel's attitude about quote unquote sluts, I think is good and rich if the story ends with some sort of reconciliation between the women or some sort of change where they end up being like, you know what, I, I you know, I was judging you based on like an emotional reason and actually blah, 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 whatever. It's actually but more important to not get murdered than to sleep with this dumbass boy. <laughs> so who cares about the boy? Let's not get murdered. Right. But also like the, the, the fact that it's in there and then there's not a second beat to it, the movie mm -hmm. and the book are really like... This this woman was was uh, very loose and that was bad and then it just ends that way and you're like that that story really believed that. <laughs> yeah. The bride of Reanimator herself, an actress is really charming, <laughs> like her a lot. Uh, yeah, the whole thing's very murky. It's not it's not it's not even clear whether Rachel and Brady were like in a relationship. 
It might not have even been cheating. It's like very, very confusing. Yeah. 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 In falling, to be clear, and I just want to highlight, I'm really just going in on this guy. He hears that someone once fell from the balcony. Then, one page later, because it's like a four-page book or story, he falls from the balcony and dies. And the spirit of the past person comes into him, and he kills a bunch of people. And he has some nice turns of phrase. He's actually kind of... I, I legitimately think that he's like gotten better at... Uh, at writing. What is the thing I have here? Oh, he's just describing... I didn't describing... get that it was the spirit of the past person. I just thought it was an evil ghost who does this to people who fall. But that maybe that makes more sense. <laughs> or maybe it doesn't. I just hang out under balconies. I'm always ready. <laughs> and it's like a misty little ghost yeah. guy, which um, is funny. Just like, I... like, ooh, a dead guy! Like, <laughs> Came on out. Uh, he's talking about uh, like getting drunk early in the story because he partially falls due to drunkenness, and it, and he says, uh, "From hotel room to hotel room, I wandered that night. A two-fisted drinker of whatever beer can or whiskey glass fell into my hands until a bottle of tequila eclipsed my vision." Now, in any other book, it'd be like normal turn of phrase, not revolutionary but literally better than everything in his halloween 4 novelization i'd like to create a cross point of writing when he falls off the building there is a line that says my body splattered like a tomato thrown by a major league baseball pitcher with a game at stake which is horrendous (laughs) (laughs) i I mean the the exciting thing about reading kowalski is that each sentence is a tightrope and you're wondering if he's going to get across even if it's like five or six words when it is only five or six words you're like Phew. I mean that doesn't mean he always makes it across but like sometimes as with the one that Andrew just read he he makes it across and every word basically makes sense and the it's coherent and it's not like a great observation but like it's like yeah that's that was that's clear and cogent uh, but that only happens like one tenth of the time which is a pretty poor hit rate for sentences in my experience. Andrew, don't put his name in the episode <laughs> description. He strikes me as the kind of guy who Googles himself, and I don't want him to hear this. <laughs> I mean, it, it, no one's ever called me out on this, like no author, uh, but if you, if I don't tag you when we release the episode, I think you're bad. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Hmm. Like when we released the Resident Evil one, I was like, well, obviously Tim was on that episode, but so there's other examples like where where I love an episode and I'm like Joan Vinge and I tag her. I'm like, pay attention to me. This one, I'm no, <laughs> very. Is he like an active guy? Is he like he's on alive? Twitter, pushing his shit. Okay. This website in the back <laughs> that he has is is up. Um, he's alive. Well, that's good. But, uh, I mean, he's got to be so... He's going to be mad at me now because I'm calling him a hack and old. But he's got to be so dang old. I mean, I hope he's not name-searching on Twitter. He looks young in this picture, but I can't... Oh, wait, 1988. From 1988. Okay, yeah. Okay, wait. He's 50. The author bio. This is... this. I swear this is the last mean thing I have to say about him. The author bio, obviously written by him, has his writing flaws in it, from the jump the first the first sentence uh it says nicholas grabowski's novels of horror slash fantasy both as himself as nicholas randers and as marcina shane 
have generated pretty decent worldwide acclaim since the 1980s. Okay, it, there's so much going on. Yes, I know what he means. It's like the 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 Loomis and the Fire stuff all over again. I know what he means, but it's it's not written clearly. He means that <laughs> novels he wrote both under this pseudonym as himself and this other pseudonym, but he says both as himself, comma second thing, comma third thing. Not good. He also says he got pretty decent acclaim and uh it's just a horrendous run on sentence. <laughs> And praised by many of today's, which is like, you're missing a word. He's missing a word there about Mm -hmm. what has been praised. Yeah, he's not good at this. Like, God bless him for doing it. And like the front of the book has a list of his many books. And there's a lot of books, including, it seems like the same book that was published three or four times, Pray Serpents Pray, (laughs) Um, (laughs) with different, you know, punctuation in it. It's he's, just, you know, he's done a lot of stuff, I guess, and good look, good for him, yeah. but also... The quality of a novelization not says nothing about the quality of someone's original novels. Because, mm-hmm. like, uh, we can definitively say that he did a bad job here, which he did. I don't have any qualms about that. Part of this podcast is criticism, and, like, that's that's okay. But, you know, people do these things just to get a studio paycheck sometimes. We don't really know what role this job plays in a person's life. So these could be great novels. It's just, if they are reading this book, oh, I don't think would propel anyone to seek them out. No, I'm not inspired. There are, there are like, um, whatever, re- what, not uh, reviews, what's the word? Quotations. Yeah. Quotations from people saying like, you did a great job, Nick. And I think it's fun that like most of them are like, cool. Just like nice, like people who are nice being nice, I think. Like Stephen King's is like, good job, essentially. And then there's... He did write the unproduced screenplay for Shocker 2. I kind of want to see Impressive storytelling, dot, 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 Wes Craven. Which feels like, you know, pitying yeah. a little when you put the punctuation that way. There's a and then there's like Clive omitted. Barker, notorious freakazoid, who's like, I love everything about you. And I'm like, was this a private yeah. email that you, that you put in your book? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, so we have uh, we're, uh, <laughs> we have any other thoughts? I have a million. I have a million notes, and instead of wanting to like read the notes, the notes are just making me laugh. Like. Uh, there's that one point where uh, Meeker sees the four Michael Myers and he's like what? But in the book it's written without any punctuation so it sounds like he just goes what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, can almost, you can say it with a, a butthead inflection uh, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly it's really yeah it, 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 the book demonstrates like maybe an understanding of some character but really no understanding of like the form of book <laughs> Um, cool. You guys ready to wrap up? Yeah, well, let's not give him any more reasons to come and kill us. Because <laughs> he wants to. Yeah. <laughs> and I think getting thrown off a balcony sounds awful. Yeah. Like, I don't want that. Well, it could just be the sentences. That you, you described another way. It could, that would sound great. Fair point. Hannah Blackman. Yes. Your body is splattered like a tomato <laughs> thrown... <laughs> By a major league baseball pitcher with a game at stake. The spirit of a book that has been lurking nearby is attempting (laughs) to possess you. Mm -hmm. That book is 
Halloween 4. Let me get this right. The Ultimate Edition authorized with additional material including the never-before-published original epilogue by Nicholas Grabowski. Even the, even the title's a run-up. <laughs> <laughs> he only gets points for putting the podcast name on the front of the book. <laughs> Would you let the uh, whatever d- do the possess you? No. <laughs> no, I think it's... um. Like, I, no, I don't like the book. I think it's badly written. I don't really like Halloween that much, and I don't want to spend time in this world, and I don't want it to spend time in me because it's mean and nasty and ugly and hateful and no fun. No fun at all. So, no, I would not, I would not recommend it. This is a, I'm reaching a point where I'm like, I should start, like, the books I don't like, I should get rid of. I should, like, give them away or something. And this one, I'm not keeping. I'm not keeping it. We'll never read it or touch it again. We should also mention this is like a cursed book. You lost yours for yeah. uh, several days. Days. I got caught in like the most severe rainstorm in Chicago a week ago and had to just fully replace this book. <laughs> I've owned yeah, two so. copies of this. <laughs> oh, no. So. Curse. Meanwhile, the author is controlling the weather, so you have to buy it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Jesse Hassinger. Yes. You are not just a slut. You're a conceited slut. That's right. Oh, no. <laughs> Would you uh, sexually engage with, which, by the way, uh, engaging in sex or enjoying it at all is sinful and wrong. Would you do that with, um, let me get this right, <laughs> Halloween 4, the ultimate edition authorized with additional material, including the never-before-published original epilogue by Nicholas Grabowski. I would be pretty, I would remain pretty buttoned up and, uh, no, I would, I would, I would keep the legs closed for this one, I think. (laughs) Fair. Hannah, you want to, uh, take the baton? Johnny Pomato. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. You are a six-year-old girl, and you love to look at pictures of your dead mom. And one day, looking at pictures of your dead mom, you pull out <laughs> Halloween 4, the ultimate edition authorized with additional material, including the never-before-published original epilogue. I wish I could do anything with a straight face, by the way, but I just can't. <laughs> I'm not capable of it. Um, anyway, you find this book among the pictures of your dead mother. Would you read it? Uh, as I said before, I was excited to do this book. I thought it would be fun to do a, a Halloween book. Uh, I like being scared. I like to remember being scared. Nothing about this book is scary. Uh, and I think that the movie at least is fun. And this is a poor representation of it. Uh, read the movie if uh, or uh, go read other scary books. It's fun to be scared. Get under the covers with a flashlight. Just not with this book. <laughs> Turns out it's hard to write horror, actually. Yeah, it's like a tough apparently. challenge. Yeah, it's also, that movie's 88 minutes long. Just perfect. Yeah, yeah. Just perfect. I, I will say, despite the long sentences, I read this book in four sittings on my exercise bike, which I cannot do <laughs> with a book that is good. <laughs> you <Yeah>. typically. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Andrew Overby. Hey, hi. Hi. You are a guy who married a lady who dragged you to a small town, and now you work in a garage. And you're not having a good time. You know, and you're smoking a lot of weed to get through it. And then one day you Norman don't have any Dale. weed. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> and I'm on pills, mm-hmm. I think. 
I think what's happening in the book is that he usually smokes weed at work, but doesn't have any weed. So his boss is like, do you want pills? And he's like, I guess I'll take pills. And then he's like, whoa, this is too much for me to do my job on. Gotcha. Okay, great read. Which is like a fun little piece of uh, information. Anyway, so you are, you have a day where you're like, I guess I'll take pills. And the pills are going crazy. Then you read Halloween 4, the ultimate edition <laughs> authorized with additional material including the never before published original epilogue do you think reading this book while on pills would break you uh to the point where you would never be the same obviously i think the book is trash so (laughs) i'm going to use this space instead to say i never made my argument for why loomis is the main character of the movie (laughs) which is that this very sexist movie has the the women be uh, very passively acted upon and i think it's no fault of their own I wish that this was like the Ellie Cornell extravaganza, but I was really struck reading the book. I was like, surely, surely Ellie Cornell and this little child are forefronted more in the movie. And then I rewatched the movie and I was like, not really. It's sort of a movie about this crazy guy going around being like, he's coming, he's coming. And and some young girls being like, we're understandably frightened by you. Um <laughs> I hear you. I just think if you asked 99 people, like they would say this is about a little girl who is being chased by Michael and like her sister and Dr. Loomis is there and they whatever. I don't think anybody would start with like Dr. Loomis, though, except for you. You're the 100th person. You know, I think the reason for that is that Loomis is a part of so many of the movies that you, you tend to define movies by their differentiating factors. But the thing about me is when I write the intros to these episodes, I'm really getting to the essence of what makes the story tick. <laughs> On page Then you should have said this is a movie about a psycho killer who escapes from prison to go hunt down his niece. Then in that point, the crux of the movie is Michael Myers, notorious murderer. Andrew, I'm really sorry, but I just looked up Ellie Cornell, and she's not on Cameo, so I can't purchase a you know 30 second answering machine message from her for you. <laughs> I will attempt to forgive you. Um, an interesting thing about this series is that it doesn't seem to have any continuity really between who wrote the novelizations of what. I hope to revisit this series, like other Halloween movies and future Halloweens, and hopefully they'll be better. Because yeah, I think be this fun. is either the only Grabowski one or one of the only Grabowski ones. <laughs> one so. of the only, good God. <sighs> I mean, the front of the book where he lists all his books, this is the only Halloween that he lists. Yeah, he hasn't written another so I novelization. I remember looking okay. it up now. Okay. Um, there yeah. is a passage on page 79 that is the, the, the boys leering at Kelly in the, in the shop, desiring her. And it says, and as if to say the name... Wade walked down past the rest of the counters, turned, and advanced towards Kelly. She was still in the process of placing the batteries on the racks. She had started with the top row and worked her way to the bottom. As Wade approached, she proceeded to do the bottom row, bending over, unknowingly inviting his hormones to react deliciously. Hmm. And I don't think there's ever been a better description of what this book didn't do. (laughs) (laughs) My hormones oh, I, are more guarded than ever before. Two lines later, I mean, I agree with you 100%. Two lines later, her clothes were just tight enough. Her body was so, with three O's, firm and in all the right places. 
Wow. <laughs> I wish someone would, this, anyway, yeah, yeah. would describe a young woman sometime by being like, her body was so firm, but in weird places. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she was hot, but like when you took, looked at the disparate elements, they didn't work. She her was nose hot. was hot really, really with hot. heat. Yeah. Heated hot. Warmness. Warmness emulated off her hotness and her hot, hot heat. Yeah. She was sweating, and that's not sexy. She had obviously skipped leg day, and it wasn't until that moment that he realized that was important to him. <laughs> I do think, I, oh, the last thing I'll say about this, I could talk about this book for hours. I find it fascinating. It's so misguided and fucked up. Um, the, I, I think it's a fascinating little uh, artifact of, uh, you know, 1980s um, sexual repression, where it's like, it's, it's like on almost every page, there's a thing that's like, I, I love that ladies are hot, but I hate that they're being hot. <laughs> <laughs> so i think it has value in that way um all right jesse hassinger what is even happening at the new flesh podcast what is even happening at sportsalcohol.com and the podcast that it puts out i wish i knew now uh the new the new flesh podcast is thrown into disarray because my co-host has covid and i think we'll not be able to do oh, our no. don't worry darling episode the most pressing problem with having covid obviously um mm-hmm. i think we're going to because he's stuck at home he feels i think he's doing okay but he's stuck at home obviously so i think we might start watching the hellraiser movies by the time this episode is out hopefully we'll be a few hellraiser movies in and we'll probably do an episode also about halloween ends um a movie i kind of uh david david gordon green pilled uh, my co-host into liking i think uh last time there was one of these so i'm excited about that um you can hear if you listen to a bunch of episodes around that time last year you can hear him kind of progressing over the course of several episodes not that we're talking about it only only for a few episodes but we kind of keep checking in on halloween ends and he ends up liking it a lot so i was very pleased with that result at sportsalcohol.com you can listen to some podcasts about summer movies from 1992 as well as summer movies from 2002 the top uh top grossing movies of those summers some friends and i get into it and we're about to record one that should be up by the time this episode is out about the indie movies of this past summer of 2022 so one thing for each of the past three decades you're all set and the episodes are very very long so it'll keep you busy i guess i don't know amazing well thank you so much for coming on again it is always a pleasure to have you thank you for having me it's always so much fun you guys are the best you know, and I promise to not pigeonhole you in horror. I did notice, you know, discussion to be had at a later date, but I did notice that my girl novelization from your childhood, it's gettable. <laughs> it is. That is, it, it would be so weird because this would, you know, I've only read like five novelizations ever. So it would be so weird, but maybe interesting to go back to to reread what <laughs> like it's it's like, uh, you know reading reading a few Hemingway books and then going back and rereading the one that you read first instead of the other. <laughs> Just like that. Well, and I, I do think that these are comparable to Hemingway yes, books. Yes, yes. Uh, the, the usual path for a guest is that they'll like come on and discuss a novelization that's like already important to them. Uh-huh. The risk being that when they do what you did and come on and discuss Resident Evil... Sometimes they just, we get a guest who comes on and they're like, I don't see the value of this at all. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Can you recommend some episodes where that happens? I'm just going to look them up. <laughs> I'll look for I'm the five like, minute ones. This is, this is what you guys commit your time to? <laughs> this? 
Definitely. <laughs> wow. Definitely. God, what's the what's the worst example of that? All our guests are so nice and so, so nice. So kind and like so great to have on. But there's definitely ones where I've been like, I'm embarrassed by this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we spend the large chunks of the episode being like, many of these are good though. Yeah. Not this one, but many. <laughs> or the last one or the one before that. <laughs> All right. Well, if you like us. Head to our Patreon, patreon.com slash authorized pod, currently sitting at a healthy one subscriber. You know who you are. And uh, what's going on there is that at the moment there is not bonus content, which is probably not driving subscriptions. But for $2, you can just kind of chip in to help us afford these books. Uh, for $6, we will shout you out on the podcast in a special episode coming later in the year. And for an unreasonable amount of money, you can force us to read a novelization of your choosing. So if any of that appeals to you, head to authorize.com. I always say that. Authorize.com slash Patreon. I'm just sticking with it. <laughs> to our listeners. Oh, yeah. Rate us. Review us. Subscribe to us. Uh, to our listeners. Thank you for... Tuning in. Did I already say that? I'm really falling apart at the end. Jesus. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. As usual, that's the seg I was looking for. As usual, I'm going to end the episode by reading an excerpt from a classic piece of literature. Please do tweet at AuthorizedPod if you recognize what this is from. Here we go. The grenade landed and exploded into the expected fragments just in front of the bunker raising a small dust cloud and, no doubt, stunning the gunners within. It's hard to keep a straight face. <laughs> uh, bet that got their attention, Enders said. If it hadn't, what Harrigan did surely would. The battlefront beach boy stood in his crater and unleashed a stream of fire, a terrible orange tongue that licked the metal pillbox, sought the slit, slithered inside. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Good night. I knew immediately. <laughs> <laughs>
Did I ruin it? Okay, Hannah Blackman. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Oh, yeah. No, winning the game ruins it for me. I'm that type of person. <laughs> It'll get worse as we go on. I know that for sure. Hannah Blackman. Yeah. 30 seconds on the clock. Describe. No, I'm sorry. One minute. Oh. What am I doing? We'll see how it goes. <laughs> and it gets, I'm cutting it in half every time. And eventually I'm like, Halloween kills. Johnny, tell it to me in two seconds. Murder. <laughs> Evil yeah, dies evil. tonight. <laughs> I'll go for that. Sucks. How, how many seconds was that? <laughs> All right, Hannah Blackman, one minute on the clock. Mm. Halloween 2, the uh, not Rob Zombie one, go. Uh, Lori is in the hospital after the events of her traumatic night, and Michael Myers, the murderer, comes back to hassle her at the hospital, uh, and he kills a bunch of people there, and then later they set him on fire and shoot him a bunch, but he still doesn't die. Okay, I feel like I have to stipulate that, like, you, we have to describe one kill, at I don't, least. Well, I <laughs> Who's got a kill from Halloween fire? 2? Famously doesn't kill him, Halloween 4. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> okay, so I'll jump in for this one. There's that one where he dunks the, the teens in the hot yeah. tub. Oh, Remember how yeah. there's, like, a jacuzzi in the hospital for no apparent reason? Physical yes. therapy it, reason. Is two the one where there's, there's a reason. Yeah, yeah. Is two the one where there's an innocent man who gets hit by a car in a really just, like, horrible way? Ben Traver! Yeah. Yes! Yeah. 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 Yes! Oh, and then the My car catches on fire. In all of Halloween. <laughs> also Dana Carvey. Ben Traver. Okay, time's up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I forgot Ben Tramer. I'm so I sorry. totally forgot Ben Tramer is just pinned right between a car and, and what, a telephone yeah. pole? And it's then really everyone brutal. around is like, yeah. everyone around is like, oh, that looks bad. And then he bursts into flames. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Johnny Pomato. Okay. I have a feeling you're going to be good at this one. Well, I hope so. One minute on the clock, Halloween 3. Oh. Go. Okay, okay, yeah, th this is a good one. Uh, my, my second favorite Halloween movie, this is the one that is completely non-canonical with any of the other films, unless you say, like, oh, they're wearing the masks in Halloween Kills or something. But uh, this is uh, all about the druids, the evil druids who run the Silver Shamrock Corporation, which is a toy company, and they're, they're, making these, they're marketing these masks for kids to wear, and then Tom Adkins uh, thinks something fishy is going on, so he starts to investigate, and he goes to the Silver Shamrock headquarters with the uh, ooh, quite a quite a nice Stacy Nelkin. Always had a crush on her, and uh, discovers that there's there's like robots and lasers, and uh, and then at, at uh, uh, on Halloween night the commercial is going to play, and then all the kids wearing the masks, their heads explodes with snakes and bugs and stuff. Okay, and the the Shamrock mask for bonus points is what tune? Oh, uh, six more days till Halloween, 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 six more days till Halloween, Silver Shamrock. I'm sorry, but the answer was London Bridge. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I, I was going for extra credit there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that was great, Johnny. No, oh, good. Amazing. I mean, truly. Okay, Jesse Hassinger, a, a lucky break. Yeah. One minute on the clock, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, go. Laurie Strode is dead but not because of Michael Myers. She died in a car crash off screen <laughs> and not before having a child named Jamie who is in a new foster family. She's six years old. Also, it's Halloween again. Michael Myers is going to be transported from one location to another. He's in a coma. He's been in a coma for 10 years. Dr. Loomis insists that he's still dangerous. Uh, Dr. Loomis is correct. Uh, in the transportation, uh, the process of transportation, he get there's a car crash. 
Wait, I guess he causes the car crash. He, like, springs to life with a spring in his step, kills people. 22 yeah. seconds. <laughs> oh, fuck. Goes to Haddonfield uh, <laughs> looking for Jamie, question mark, and kills a bunch of people. But then at the end, uh, after everything, after he seems to be being blown to bits, Jamie uh, it survives, and so does her step, uh, her foster sister. Then she kills the, her foster mom uh, wearing a clown costume, much like Michael Myers in the original film. I think I elided some details. Perfect. <laughs> no, but you hit you hit the minute perfectly. That reminded me of uh, what one time in English class in college they gave us a, a summary of Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> the movie, not the book, and they were like, "What did this film critic?" weirdly give too much detail to and you're like reading the summary and it's like there's this killer and blah 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 and then about a paragraph in there's a whole paragraph where they're like using a knife Hannibal Lecter removes a man's <laughs> face he's then able to put it over his own face so that it mostly exactly matches though there are differences it's a passable replica <laughs> oh, alright one minute on the clock Hannah Blackman Halloween 5, whatever that one subtitle Curse is, go. Or no. The Curse of Michael Myers. Um, Jamie. Revenge. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Re- yeah, Revenge, then Curse, I believe. Okay, this better not be eating into my minute, because oh. I'm definitely going to need all of it. <laughs> uh, Keep going. Jamie, uh, because she like maybe attempted or did kill her foster mom, is now in like an asylum, but she's like, it's I didn't do it, I'm a nice person. And they're like, well, you're cuckoo pants. Um, at some point, she like leaves the asylum with Rachel, who's a different actress now, I want to say. There's a big Halloween party. People get killed. It is Michael. He's back, baby. I don't remember anything else about it. Anybody? There's, uh, <laughs> I, would add, time. I would add that his mask looks really weird, and it's like untucked or something from his collar. <laughs> so it, it, just, it just looks weird. That's the only thing I remember I, about this movie I that I saw for the first time last the year. The other salient thing is that he is nursed back to health by like a cave, like a, like a homeless, like a, a oh. hobo. A hobo nurses it's him back to It's a full-on Frankenstein yes, thing. Yes, where it's yes. Like right the, after the uh, As mentioned yeah. at the end of, of Halloween 4, yeah. uh, yes. a mine like hermit yeah. or whatever <laughs> he floats down the river that's yes. that's what i remember from halloween five we're way over on time but yeah he floats down the river and some randos like you seem worth taking in <laughs> even though you are a notorious murderer with no soul <laughs> johnny pomato okay one minute I, i've on been the clock. clocking the math and i i think that this game is about <laughs> to go south for me <laughs> Halloween's, I was trying to figure out before this, what's the worst rotation of three you can get? Yeah. Is it one, four, seven, ten? It's probably two, five, eight, eleven. That's my theory. Anyway. So it's me. So it's Hannah out. Blackman. Great. Uh, one minute on the clock. Halloween six, The Curse of Michael Myers. Go. Okay. This was actually the first Halloween movie I ever saw as a, uh, as a teenager, and I haven't seen it since. So let me tell you what I remember. Uh, I think they go back to the original house. Uh, it's sort of like they're, uh, they're, they're doing experiments. Tommy from the first film is there, now played by Paul Rudd. And uh, and then uh, uh, Loomis is there, except uh, he is very ill. He was like literally dying when he made the film, and uh, he, he like you can tell he, he looks very bad. <laughs> and I I just remember uh, he the line uh, it was in all the trailers. Where he says, "I always knew what he was, but I never understood why." And he doesn't sound like Loomis anymore. It's really sad. And I think that this ties <laughs> to Halloween three in a way because they like. Ten say that seconds. like uh, it's a druid 
curse and, and like <laughs> it's tied to Stonehenge or something that that's why he's evil. Uh, but it's bad. I, I remember it being one of the very worst. Okay, you're out of time. Did we even touch the plot of that? What happens with all the cults? I mean, they just go to <laughs> his house cult? and he shows up and kills a bunch yeah. of Jamie teenagers. has a baby and oh. then Jamie gets killed and the baby is loose in the world and Paul Rudd's like, we have to protect the baby. Michael's going to come for the baby because the druids want a baby to put his evil soul into so the soul of evil can move forward through history forever yeah. in various bodies. And so they're like trying to like fight off Michael and save this baby and then they defeat Michael somehow with rocks. <laughs> Rock sounds right. Um, I I completely forgot that Jamie was in it now a different actress yes. uh, and uh yeah I had uh, never seen 4 and 5 until a year ago. So uh piecing it all together out of order was interesting. <laughs> I, I think six is is weirdly it fits with Loomis's whole deal because his whole deal is he's like he's an otherworldly evil that has come into this body or whatever, and then six is like we know we made a cult. Six, six is the one that feels like Loomis wrote it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think also like Donald Pleasance died midway through the movie, and so the reason he sometimes doesn't sound like himself or is shot weirdly from behind is because he was not there. Oh wow! Yeah, I just I remember him looking very bad. Uh, this this poor old man. Jesse Hassinger, one minute on the clock. Halloween H two O. Go. Uh, it's twenty years later. That's because of the, the, the titular H two O. It's for H two O. Twenty years later. Uh, Lori Strode is not dead. <laughs> Forget it. She, go back to Halloween two. She's does she's alive and she has a son, not a daughter, uh, and she's under a different name and. She's like the headmistress of a boarding school or a teacher at a boarding school. She's actually at a boarding school, fancy prep school, looks like maybe like the set of a, a WB series, perhaps. And uh, her son is Josh Hartnett. And uh, she is kind of low-key and alcoholic and suffers from trauma and has trouble getting close to people. And wouldn't you know it, her brother, who that's a revelation in Halloween 2 that we did mention that Michael Myers is supposed to be her brother. Um, I guess... The fact that H2O was like, let's keep yeah, that. Let's, that, one was, that part was great. It, uh, I don't remember, actually, if he escapes or what happens with him, but he, he turns up at the boarding school, uh, which is not in Haddonfield. Okay, yeah, time's up. Valiant effort, up. though. Uh, I mean, the important part is Josh Hartman Alan is Arkin. there. Yeah. Or Adam Arkin, I guess. Yeah, yeah then not... Not two actors I would mix up, although they're related. Father yeah, and yeah, son? father and son. Yeah, mm. Joseph Gordon Hannah Levitt's Blackman. in the mix. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Michelle Williams, Academy Award oh, nominee. Yeah. Michelle Williams. Oh. Yeah. Hannah Blackman. Uh, also, I think that one involves an ambulance. Escape. Yes. Um, Hannah Blackman. No one envies your position. One minute on the clock, Halloween Resurrection. Go. I like this movie. This is a movie where some reality TV people are like, we're like going to do a TV too. show where people go into the Myers house and they have to like, stay the night and spooky things happen to them. It was very hot at this time. I watched a bunch of shows that were just like that. So a bunch of people go into the Myers house, including Buster Rhymes. And then Michael shows up and is like, what are you doing in my fucking house? And starts killing people. And people are watching the live stream at a party and they're like, oh my God, people are getting really murdered. And people are like, no, they're not. It's TV, but they are. And Buster Rhymes kicks Michael in the face. Real good. Rocks. The best. <laughs> Smokes. Top-notch film. No complaints. Also, Laurie no Strode dies. 
Uh, oh yeah, I think say. she falls off of a thing yeah. or something yeah. at the beginning. I stopped yes. the clock because you got through the plot, but the, that movie begins so depressingly <laughs> yes. with they're like, she beat him many times, and now in the first five minutes, she has got yeah. caught. <laughs> and they all said, don't worry, Jamie Lee Curtis, you're never going to have to make another one of these ever again. <laughs> Certainly not three of them. Tyra Banks <laughs> is in the movie as well. Yes, she is, yeah. Katie Sackhoff, we could just say the cast. Okay, great, just great. Great cast. Don't think I ever made it to the end of that one. Well, you missed out on some kung fu. (laughs) I remember Busta Busta Rhymes, yeah. Who I think is very charming as a performer. Agreed. Johnny Pomato, one minute on the clock. This is going to go. Rob Zombie's Halloween, (laughs) one, go. Okay. Uh, I remember I was really excited for this. I'm not sure why, but like, I I guess I don't hate it as much as everyone. It's essentially a retelling of the first one pretty closely, except for one little thing. We get to learn all about young Michael Myers, like a lot about him. Like he's played by a really obnoxious child actor who's not very good. And we see him at school and he's torturing animals, I want to say. And (laughs) his sister is Sherry Moon uh, zombie. Uh, because she's in everything that Rob does. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I remember it had weird, like, elephant Gus Van Zant vibes to it. Uh, 20 seconds. With its, okay, uh, so then it's just Halloween after that. It's it's just, <laughs> it's just Halloween. It, uh, occasionally shot for shot, I want to say. And I don't know, it's fine if you want to see a new uh, Rob Zombie version. Uh, I prefer his uh, earlier films. Great, you came in under a minute. I feel like... I'd be remiss to describe that film, and this is not an endorsement, but I'd be remiss to describe it without mentioning The Rape Escape, one of the worst scenes ever written into anything, ever. I don't know what I'm talking about. a lot of child abuse. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really nasty movie, which is like his Jesse, whole deal, you, you but it's you look like you don't know what I'm I, referring I, I've to. I've definitely seen this movie a couple times, but I don't specifically remember, because my co-host there, on, the, on, the, on New Flesh just reduces, uh, appropriately, I think, Rob Zombie's like horrible stuff that he puts in his movies as just like a guy in a dirty undershirt at a breakfast table talking about like flappy ass tits or like you know <laughs> that's what he that's There's that's our story that's, that's like that's what they said like, so now in my head everything in the Rob Zombie movie is just some guy in a dirty undershirt at a breakfast table going flappy ass tits or whatever <laughs> I I despise both of those movies but yeah the the, the nadir is uh in the first one the uh, Michael is able to escape because the guards are busy sexually assaulting another prisoner. Oh, that's right. Yes. Zombie. So, anyway, on an, <laughs> on that note, Jesse Hassinger, one minute on the clock. Rob Zombie's Halloween two. Go. I like this one. Uh, so it takes Halloween, the original Halloween two. And sort of retells it very quickly in the first 20 minutes. And I think some of that turns, the picking up with Laurie in the hospital and Michael Myers still out there. But I believe some of that turns out to be a dream or something. And then it kind of goes ahead to like Laurie trying to live her life a year later after the events of Halloween. It's like weirdly kind of about female friendship. I, she like has some buddies that like she hangs out with. Um, I don't, I don't really remember what actually happens when Michael comes back. Uh, Except that it, I remember kind of thinking it was good, but I don't—I I really couldn't tell you what happens in it. Mike, besides that, Michael Myers comes back and kills people. I don't think she dies at the end, though, so that's that's heartening. 
Uh, the 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 Sherry Moon or whatever the Moon Wife is, the zombie right. wife. She's a ghost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes. she's like whispering to her. There's also a director's cut uh, that a lot of people swear by that is significantly different. Okay, uh, we're out I, of time. I, I believe a, a young Octavia Spencer is in there, <laughs> yes. and then also cameos from uh, uh, Weird Al Yankovic and Chris Hardwick. I believe. Ugh. I mean. Yeah, sorry. The only thing I remember about that movie is there's a part where Dr. Loomis is like on a talk show with Weird Al, and he says, Excuse me, Mr. Weird. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we completely (laughs) neglected to say Malcolm McDowell takes over as Loomis and like just plays him, not horribly from a performance standpoint, but makes him even more unlikable than uh, Donald Pleasant's ever made. Oh, he seems downright unhinged. Yeah, like, and he's kind of like enjoying the celebrity that comes with like, yeah, I'm the guy who goes after Michael Myers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, eh, no, no good. Hannah Blackman, one minute on the clock. Halloween 2018. Go. Um, it's whatever, 40 years later after Halloween. None of the other sequels have happened. Lori is a recluse living in a house in the woods and her daughter is Judy Greer. And her daughter's like, mom, you got to stop being a freak. And Lori's like, no, I'm going to be a freak. And then Michael escapes <laughs> from prison due to podcasters, starts wrecking havoc kills people Lori's granddaughter's friends start getting murdered they all end up at Lori's house in the woods and she's like I've been preparing for this for 40 years and they fuck him up real good Um, but then he doesn't die and the house burns down the ladies escape Toby Huss does not Michael does not die Wow, fastest one we've had yet. Was that good? Did that cover? No, that was pretty good. That, that's pretty much all of it. The, the Sarah Connorification of Halloween is how I think of that one. It's about trauma. I don't know if you knew this. Yeah, hmm. it's about trauma. It's hard for me to imagine that something like a horror film could be about yeah, does, headier does themes. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> trauma does not make sense to include in horror movies. <laughs> Johnny Pomato, put okay. us out of our misery with the final question. One minute on the clock. Halloween Kills, go. Okay, I definitely saw this one. Uh, Everyone hated it. I thought it was slightly better than 2018. Uh, It starts off with, I think, a a sort of flashback to the night of the first film, and like he kills uh, a cop played by Jim Cummings, but you know, that. so Mm -hmm. I guess it explains that after he escaped, he was uh, captured, um, and uh, and, uh, decent opening, Uh, and then uh, it's, I I guess it's uh, later that night, and he's escaped the fire, and uh, Lori is in the hospital and is there the whole movie and is barely in the movie. She's just there and she's a real Halloween too. You know yes. what I mean? Oh, I know. <laughs> and she just pops in with a little exposition here and there, and everyone is hunting Michael. Like Tommy is like doing open mic nights every Saturday, uh, every Halloween. <laughs> uh, like say, I'm the kid who he went after. We got eight I, seconds. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then uh, so it's a mob mentality thing. They're after like the wrong inmate, but like obviously. And then at the end, they finally corner. Right, we're done. They're all about to I, kill him, but he's like more myth than man, <laughs> and so he uh, he, he uh, they, he's like, oh, I can't be killed because I'm more of an idea than a than a human, and uh, everyone hated it. I thought it was, I don't know, fine, whatever. <laughs> I like the idea that Tommy it's Doyle bad. was doing like songs or stand up <laughs> every other week. You guys hear about this? You hear about this, Michael Myers? You hear about this? <laughs> I wish that they had every Halloween Paul he's Red like back for yeah. it. <laughs> Like, I get why they didn't and why they couldn't or whatever, but I think he could have pulled off an open mic guy (laughs) better. I need a suggestion from the audience. I just love the idea of, like, a... Sorry, go ahead. I'm just going to... That's the beat-up Tommy going up there. I need a suggestion from the audience. 
Michael Myers. Okay, we're doing Michael Myers. Uh, improv. <laughs> to the listener, uh, Halloween Ends isn't out at time of recording. Get off our case and goodbye.